Hey gang, this is Fillmore, just letting you know that if you enjoy our podcast, quite frankly, a Howard Stern podcast, and you'd like to donate some money for the upkeep, uh, or you want to request certain clips, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash jimfix. That's J-I-M-F-I-X-X. You can donate as much as you want for as long as you want. There's absolutely no obligation. Everything. And then I would put on my underpants. And then, and then I would sashay out. And then, yes, and then I'd parade around. And then, in order to feel more comfortable, we pretended I was at a gay club, walking around in just my underpants, and to see oh if my. everyone at the gay club enjoyed me. And um, and when we voted on my underpants look, and that was really gay. You know, I was very gay. It, it sounds gay because yeah. it was just the two of you. Yeah. And then even Ralph said, you know, you don't need to keep. Um, parading around why don't you just try them on and whatever ones you like we can order right he's he doesn't need to see you yeah and i go <laughs> what's the matter you don't want to see me <laughs> joe hi you're on the air hey man Howard. yeah what's going on man nothing listen i think uh it's time you come out of the closet with ralph oh please because i know you, i know deep down i mean that literally all right so i'm a homosexual you're a, you're a sword follower right i'm a homosexual you're right Right. What can I tell you? I'm caught. Good. In fact, that's good. That would be easy. I'd love to be gay. Be so goddamn simple. And then, then, then when people ask me about why I'm separated from Ira, I just go, you know what? I'm gay. Twenty <laughs> percent of American men had at some time in their lives at least one homosexual experience. Now you told me every man did. Yeah, well, every man has, but only 20% will admit to it. <laughs> it's a pretty embarrassing thing. Every guy has at least had a uh, sword fight. Now, wait a minute. Would you say that just because you had no. and you want to believe that every man does? I never had a sword fight. Not a sword fight, but you had a homosexual experience. Yeah, well, yeah, if you want to call it that. I mean, some, <laughs> I was a little, I was a young child, of course. <laughs> Why you want to just label every man. Every man has had some kind of homosexual experience. Oh, I, gotta, I watch every movie. I got to tell you, I had the same thing for a while. Like, when I first started therapy, you kept asking me about, like, gay feel, like, you know, gay this, gay that. I go, oh, yeah? Dude, let's cut that shit right now. <laughs> I said, I got no problem with gay people. Dude, I, I don't have, I'm not gay. Because, yeah, but, you know, you have to explore that side. And I go, bullshit. I'm not exploring that. I got no problem. Yeah, what do you mean, explore? <laughs> <laughs> I like chicks, dude. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, for a very special, uh, in-depth deep dive on, quite frankly, a Howard Stern podcast. This is brought to you, of course, by myself, Fillmore, a.k.a. Fillmore Fingers, a.k.a. Jim Fix, and my wonderful co-host, Sam. Hi. Sam's fresh back from the march. I was protesting for mm -hmm. George Floyd in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was very peaceful when I left. Uh, we yeah. marched through the streets for... Over an hour, it even started to pour, and uh, nobody cared. It was, it was pretty amazing. And then after, when we came back, we uh, dispersed and went home. And of course, I don't know who came after we left, but it seems violence has erupted, which of course seems to be the theme of these. Yeah, unfortunately, sadly. Sadly. it was good. It was good when it wasn't violent. I'll tell you that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, well, the trying to keep your mind off of things, guys, and not trying to, um, uh, put you, to distress you any more than you might already be, we've decided for this particular episode to go back to 2000, late 2005 and cover the Ed Bradley 60 Minutes piece on Wiggy and um, also to follow it up with a discussion that was had when they replayed it the following year, 2006, and Robin blurted out something uh, well, we'll let you hear it when you do. And uh, I, I thought it was fascinating because for so many reasons. Do you remember watching this uh, live at all, Sam? Or did you see it after the fact as I did? I remember watching it live. And I also remember when Robin said that comment, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. Right. And I remember watching it live with... Because, by the way, these type of specials back then meant something... Oh, it yes. wasn't like it wasn't like now where I mean everything's special. <laughs> it was just yeah, well, like Well the Ed Bradley interview it, was like was it's sixty minutes interview, Mike Wallace especially. Those interviews were always produced so perfectly. I was know. I was a big fan of sixty minutes and I used to watch twenty twenty specials. Oh yeah. Um so I remember watching this live and the the first thought I had was um, Howard's extremely awkward and tall. I also thought... (laughs) (laughs) Even though he sat down for most of it, but yeah. I also remember thinking how unattractive Beth was. I did not see... I did not see the model that people were supposedly supposed to buy that she was. I did not think mm-hmm. she was attractive. So, I don't know. Near the end, I thought that was probably the best she was ever going to look. But, um, but uh, you know, people will see I, for I was themselves. Never, I was never into that, like, bleach blonde. Bleach blonde. Me, me neither. I'm saying if you had to go, for, if there was a type, I suppose she would be all right. But uh, as, as other guys have said, they may not throw her off the table if that was the only thing offered. But... Um, in this case, it was almost like... I also you, was very... Yeah. I remember, well, the Roosevelt part where, you know, <sighs> he doesn't know where he is. And it's yeah, his or, home. I remember being with my dad and we were both like, what? I mean, could you imagine? Even when we used to go back to North Buffalo to our old house, of mm-hmm. course I know where I lived. Of course. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense to Same and, not yeah. know where you live and be confused by that. I don't care well, how old you are. Well, back in the day, we used to walk to school, and we were, we, I lived about 20 minutes away from my first elementary school, and by myself. I mean, sometimes I'd meet a friend on one street, and we'd walk together, but most of the way it was by myself, and I was like five and that was acceptable back then, right? You know. Yes. And uh, I could, I could, when I go back, I could trace it. I can tell you exactly how I went every single time, almost. And um, I could, you know, b- blindfolded, I could probably get you there. He just looked so. I mean, do you, th- do you think it was a put on? We'll discuss it when we see it as well. But it had to be a bit. I mean, unless, well, you know what. He, he always talks about how directionless he is. He isn't. I know. 
<laughs> he, he is a complete moron. So they, <laughs> they, they used to do an infomercial Maybe. for they used to do an infomercial for the Rambo survival knife, and at the bottom of the the base of the handle was a compass. <laughs> you could just imagine him going, "Why is this little ball moving all the time? Why is the end? Why does it keep going, getting away from me?" Anyway, so we're going to get started, and uh, bear with us, folks. Uh, it's it, the audio quality isn't the greatest, and obviously we flipped it, but um, that's for just to make sure it stays on. Okay. Sort of lightning rod. Just I just really irritate people. Does that sound okay on your end? Yes. Okay. You know, I really do. Over the years, Howard Stern has amassed millions and millions of listeners that he now hopes to lure to his new venture, Satellite Radio, where he promises to deliver what his fans expect every day. Most. Oh God, that fucking megaphone with it's probably got hepatitis A through Z on it. And he's still using the same thing. It's duct taped up. <laughs> and and the hair is just everywhere. It's but it's everywhere on purpose. It's not like when you have a hairstyle that's messy mm-hmm. and it just naturally lays in front of your face or something. His yeah. hair is manicured to look like I don't know this messy sponge. Well, the same promo tour he did, the Bill O'Reilly one, and you remember the, look at every hair. It's perfectly manufactured to look And at, he you know. was. He was backstage having Ralph curl his hair. What the yeah. fuck? Well, it was Tony curling the hair, and Ralph was just oh, providing yeah, moral, moral support with his pumas on, or pumas. Um, yeah, it's not awake and shake. I mean, he's not grunge. On the other hand, though, there were some times during this era where that was, I think, probably the best kind of length for his hair if we're going to go into styling but you're right the 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 way that's directed to cover every aspect of his face like um like he's hiding behind a bush or something and that that's an odd look i don't know that it would have went that way outrageous raunchy adolescent male humor but we saw a <laughs> I love the windswept look. <laughs> that, that made me one of my best photoshops. I did a photoshop wow. of um uh you know, Maury's wigs don't come off from Goodfellas <laughs> at the end when the, the hair's he blowing. jumps in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that one I couldn't get because the quality wasn't the best, but the windswept look is my favorite. Different side of Howard Stern. Because he couldn't pay the wind to cooperate with them. <laughs> I know. Look at look at that. <laughs> he, he really does look like lowly worm with a wig on. And <laughs> Richard <look>, scary. <laughs> and just and just you're right. And just that um wow, that's that's deep to go to children's book reference. <laughs> <laughs> the very hungry grasshopper. Um the, bu- the busy world the busy world of speed. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point I think um Ed Bradley is not in very good health. Because he's, he's older anyway, but he was, I think he might have even still been going through cancer treatments and stuff, but he's got to deal with this 95% cancer. <laughs> it helps explain his success when we visited the town where he grew up. It was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> he makes it sound like he, just, he grew up in Nam. <laughs> uh, God bless you. God bless you, Ed Bradley. Ed Bradley. I'm Steve Croft. I'm. Yeah, nobody. Love him or hate him, you his can't decide. He brings so much humor. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't he look a little Michael Jet, late stage Michael Jacksonish in this close up? Yeah. 
and the shades, <laughs> the shades, of course. Um, this, this is one thing I'm going to say. You can watch the interview. Almost every chance he can be with sunglasses on, he's got them on. But for the purposes of the interview, he's not wearing them. Do you think Ed decided, no, you're not going to wear them? I'm not sure. Do you think that he may? I mean, I he, he, ins- Bradley, I think he, insists- so he carries more clout. So it yes. probably was awkward. Like, I'm not going to sit here across from you and interview you with mm. some sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. I think it was absolutely. He said, you take those off or we're not doing the interview. And Howard's like, well, I guess I got to do it. And this is where we get those crazy eyes gifts from because they, they or gifs, whatever they're called. They he does it so much during this interview. It's staggering. And it's Over the last 20 years, 51-year-old Howard Stern and his outrageous, raunchy, adolescent male humor have changed the face of morning radio and made him number one. With as many as 22 million listeners a day during his heyday, most of them men. But Stern has also been the subject of more fines for indecency by the Federal Communications Commission than any other broadcaster in the history of radio. Now, the funny thing is, is he mentions 22 million in his heyday. And I don't recall during the interview if they addressed the fact that he's leaving behind that audience. With as many as 22 million listeners a day during his heyday, most of them men. But Stern has also been the subject of more fines for indecency by the Federal Communications Commission than any other broadcaster in the history of radio. Now, Howard Stern is facing his biggest challenge, a move to Sirius Satellite Radio, which operates without the restrictions of the FCC. He signed a $500 million five-year contract that pays his salary and the costs of doing there starting in January, what he does now, entertain millions while offending millions more. Now... What people have to understand when they do go back into it, you can look on smokinggun.com, uh, smoking and they've got um, a, a copy of the original contract that was signed in 2004 with Don and, and, and Howard. And if you read through it, some things are redacted, obviously, but um, it gives you the, the running costs of who's going to pick up the cost for the studio. So it wasn't $100 million going into his pocket, but it almost was. It basically, they paid his corporation one twelve. And then from that corporation, they were paying all the, uh, as far as I know, they were paying the staff salaries. Sirius, uh, it was kind of a thing where he was in control of what people were getting. He absolutely knew what everybody was making. So um, every time that whole that mythology, I don't know, I never knew what you made. Bullshit. He always knew. There was no incentive for him to do good beyond maybe a few years. I yes, mean, not even what that. a... What an awful, awful, awful deal. I, mm-hmm. Honestly, Sirius is the stupidest company ever for paying yeah. him that amount of money. What was, yeah. dumb fucks. You need, yeah, he needs constantly to, and it was funny, I was listening to a show from 2000 or whatever, and when he was ratings driven, the show was so much faster. It was amazing how fast they threw that ball around in studio. They had so many parts to it, too. There were so many different segments. You can just Absolutely. look back on Mark's friggin' right. to... There were so many different aspects to the show. People coming in, multiple <laughs> guests, multiple whack packers, multiple bits, phone calls, games, fights. I mean, it was yes. incredible. And, and then back it went from that... People. Yeah, back yeah. office people telling about their lives and what happened to them that weekend, whatever, and they could make it into a 20-minute bit. Now we're listening to... You know, 
Roomba. Fucking Pills McGee horsey breaking her foot trying to take litter down to her disgusting <laughs> cat room. Hi. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Go to our website, guys. Or not our website. The uh, Facebook group, rather, quite frankly, at Howard Stern Podcast. And Sam posted this picture of Beth's Instagram. And then uh, Cindy Kastics or whatever. I can't remember her name exactly. She posted the uh, a screen cap of it was a video, right? It wasn't a mm-hmm. picture. Right. So. Right. And they, explain the picture. So she has three kittens in this kitten room. And it's a screen cap of a video with shit, literal shit, cat shit, all over the picture. There's afterbirth stains from oh. the mother giving birth to the cat still on the blanket. There's litter everywhere. There's food, wet food in different places, just mm-hmm. smudged all over the floor and all over the different items. It's depraved looking it's disgusting and i cannot believe she said oh my glamorous life that room looks like it has at least three days worth of shit in the litter box if not more and the amount that's around it looks like even more it's incredible did you send in a complaint to the uh, whatever the animal I board? Did. Who do you think I am? <laughs> and do you I think? It, and did you get any response did, or just I an automated? I got an automated response that they received our email. Right. My email. <laughs> they rolled it up and threw it in the trash. <laughs> like, listen, the power of stern. <laughs> exactly. I seem to be some sort of lightning rod. Just, I just really irritate people. You know, I really do. He's on the air five days a week over four hours a day. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> part animal house, part man house, part cat house. Whoa, who's looking good today? His show is a steady stream of Stern's consciousness about anything going on in his mind and life. Appalling to some and addictive to others. Mother, when is the last time you had sex with father? Oh, my God. So oh it's 2006, God. 2005, in this case, at the old studio. And 15 years later, there's nothing he's crutching on more than that fucking god-awful Ray impression. If he could put on her skin, he would. <laughs> if she dies, do you think he'll also uh, bring her ashes in and make fun of them like he did with Debbie Tays? <laughs> you know I'm going to a tattoo parlor with Ed Bradley. You are. I'm getting a tattoo of Rosa Parks on my arm. Oh, God. Oh. Here you go. I would do anything to get a positive piece Perfect. out of it. <laughs> Stern is unrepentant about the material he... I think in this case, you're going to see it. Ed Bradley's in studio, so he's really, like, just kind of... Uh, what are you kind of pandering to him at this point? He's fine, censored, and criticized for. Unrepentant about the incessant chatter about sex and excrement. Are you going to paint your jug for Halloween like pumpkins? Yes. No. The racial and gender stereotyping, or the vicious attacks on his perceived enemies like this one in 1992. Now, this is where he's going to go, I believe, into the man-cow thing. I'm not 100% sure. but Look at those nasal labial folds. Those are just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I can't get my hand off. I can't get my eyes off the triple manicured curl. That's that's okay. some kind of that's some kind of magic if you can do that to someone's wig, and the and the scalp that constantly goes back and forth it changes like the uh, the the receding hairline seems to change from day to day. Oh, it's a lot. 
Communications Commission. I pray that his prostate cancer spreads into his lungs and his kidneys. I pray to you, Jesus, answer my prayers. Yes, that is me being outrageous. But the guy has prostate cancer. Yeah, you know what? I don't know that I would do that now, Mulder. But, um... Mulder? <laughs> and I blurt out anything in my head. Dangerous? Maybe. You know, do I say things afterwards that I regret? No, because those are the... Okay, hold on. I had to stop that. He, the, this is the whole idea that this is the, the thing that's bothered. One of the things that's bothered me over the years. He wants to go onto this whole evolved narr- narrative. Like I've changed. Uh, you, you know, celebs, you can come in. I'm not going to ask you anything <laughs> provocative except maybe talking about how to cut your d- baby's dick and um, you know, the financial repercussions of your mother's death. Um, but then he goes on to that. Like remember a couple of years ago, the uh, Wendy Williams rant. 40-minute rant of cunt, 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 cunt. Like, even Ronnie and, and Fred would not have been able to keep up with that. And that's part of the evolved, you know, that's the per- persona, that's the guy he's saying he's evolved. Explain how. You can't have well, it both ways. Look at look at Ed Bradley's face right now. This is the face of, you know, when you're in trouble with your parents, like, they're disappointed that, you know, we just got a we got a call from the teacher today. They said that you were you were wishing prostate cancer travels and tumors throughout their body. Did, what do you think about that? Oh, well, were, I'm older now. Except for I would be a teenager in school and learn my lesson. Howard's 51 for this. Uh, older, I think. Hold on, 2002, 50, so 53 maybe. I think they said 51 when they started this, but oh, the day I, I, maybe way, I'm wrong. Either way, 53, 51, who cares? It's early 50s. Yeah. He's saying, oh, I'm older now. What's the difference between being, <laughs> Two years I don't ago. know, 20, 30, 40, 50? If you, I could forgive a teenager, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously. Yeah. But this? Right. <laughs> I'm older well, the- now. Uh, yeah, I hope. Well, there's a story about this Cleveland punk group, one of my favorites. They're called the Dead Boys. And... Um, they went into the record for their first album and uh, Jenya Ravin, she's the, um, she's the producer. And when she goes in, <laughs> the dead boys have already been there and there's swastikas everywhere. They've been hanging mother's crosses in the studio. And she goes, what's with the fucking swastikas? They go, they, they go, we don't even know what they mean. And she goes, I'll tell you what I mean. The producer of the studio is Jewish. The owner of this building is Jewish. She goes, I'm Jewish and I can make the drums disappear real easy. That's right. And so, and there she says, I, I get it. They're young and stupid. They wanted to do anything that was bad, but, you know, not, not Nazism. You know, she said, I, my, I, I grew up smack dab in a fucking concentration camp, you know, and this is what I see. And, um, it, but she says, I understand that was the, the nature of stupid youth, but Howard can't have that excuse at any point once, once he started getting in, hitting his stride. He knows no, full well. At- and look at Ed's face again. This is that face of like, huh? What the you- teacher caught you fucking a toilet roll. Zero point zero. Let's listen to how old and wise he is. Come on. Let's give him a chance. Yeah. And I share that with the audience. Yeah. Let me ask you something. You ever, did you ever wish anyone dead? Maybe as a kid. Okay. Exactly. Fired up, and I feel like my back is up against the wall. I will say vicious things, and rather than hide that, 
I would rather put that out on the radio and let someone see the full range of emotions. If you're going to be strong on the radio, you got to let it all out, even the ugly stuff. And you can't apologize for it. But you may have to pay for it. Well, he's not going to pay for it, first of all, guys. Let's remember that. It, that seems to get forgotten. The companies get fined for it. He never pays the fine and has never had to. And he's going to apologize later, everyone, to absolutely every single Hollywood elite there is. So don't right. worry. The apologies came right on coming. Absolutely. <laughs> One after another. <laughs> that yeah. carry Stern almost $3 million. With the FCC... You got to a point where you said, I can't stay on this radio anymore. Did they win? Did they get rid of you? You could choose to look at it that way. I don't. I look at it that I won. I go to a new medium. I'm uncensored. And for me, it's a checkmate. It's, Ash it's a blank check is really what it is. The, the, the thing is, and at that time, I seem to recall that he was probably not going to start making any more big, huge paydays. He was going to get paid a lot of money to stay on terrestrial radio, but there's no way he would have got that kind of money when he was still on, at K-Rock. Plus, I have to be honest with you, people like uh, ONA, and the, they were talented, and they were, the radio medium was changing in a way. People could compete with Howard. He wasn't mm -hmm. the end-all, be-all. I mean, he was very popular, and m probably the most popular, but there could have been some some serious competition. So this oh, yes. was winning in so many ways. You you saw that picture I posted of um uh, from nineteen I can't remember it was ninety two or ninety four even and that Lisa G and the uh, the more the show that she was doing with yeah. uh, Ed Lover yeah. was beat was beating Howard in the ratings. <laughs> And even the other one with Judy DeAngelis was beating him. When Ten Ten Wins was beating him, so at any given book, he was not always number one. That's the that's the fallacy he wants you to think that oh, we were always number one. Bullshit. Please, Simpson. Stern took us to Manhattan-based oh, yeah. Sirius for a tour of his new digs. See, he got like famous people sitting around here. It's very exciting. That nobody will ever see because and you're no hiding out. You're literally hiding out in Hitler's bunker. It's Locked seriously down. insane. <laughs> it's insane the way yeah. that he's away from everyone else. This this whole, I see, look at all the commotion and people. He wants no one to see him. He's like Bruce Wayne, gay Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he was. This was before he decided to make the standing order to taser anybody in the hallways that when he's going down. But um, there was. Do you remember? Was it um, who's the guy? Steve Harvey. When he put out yes. that memo about his uh, his his staff, like don't you know, don't approach me in the hallways and stuff. I think after that, he decided that's the way I'm going to. He did say it was before that even he wanted the hallways cleared because people were coming at him. But um, you know, these these are all even the later one he did with um, Anderson Cooper, or was it Katie Couric? I can't remember. But the the book tour, this last book tour. He made it look like, okay, guys, I'm going to walk through the halls, and we're all going to look like we're one big team. <laughs> Meanwhile, you turn off the camera, he was probably throwing stuff at them. He was and probably... they were scared to death to talk. He, yeah, he Jason said, admitted why, that on why the was, Why wasn't anyone lively or may, saying anything funny or con contributing to the piece? And they were like, we were scared to death. We got the warning not to say anything. So, yeah, that, that's them saying, Marcy Turk said, leave him, don't even fucking go near him during this thing. Without saying it, you know what I mean? Sirius has over 2 million subscribers who have bought a satellite radio and paid... 
<laughs> these horrible fucking products. Oh <laughs> I, I, I asked about this in the group and I said, did anybody ever like have a good experience with serious products? And like, no, it was the shittiest plastic crap. Not one. And broke down and the connections would fade when they did go on, you know, and it, on a clear day, you'd still lose the fucking signal. Ninety-five a month to listen to more than 120 channels of music and talk. The content is not regulated by the FCC. Does that mean that there'll be more profanity, more explicit sexual content? I think so. I, I look forward to exploring that. I don't... <laughs> look at those eyes. I'm about being funny. If I can make a joke... You are? I will. But for the most part, that can get awfully old and boring. You've got to, know, you've got to draw your own personal line. This is a new frontier. And do you have a line that you won't cross? Sure. There are things I won't do on the radio. I mean, the next logical question is, well, what won't you do? I said, well, you know, you got to find out when, when, you're, when you're on the air. In other words, you're going to pay for a fucking subscription. But now I get, I get the whole sell. Now here he's going to go through the, uh, the studios. So this is obviously um, still in the, in the planning stages. But don't you find this, this if we were, doing a, we were thinking of doing a fashion show, this is a decent look for him, isn't it? I mean, it's of the time, and there's nothing yeah. really you can say about it. That's no. bad or good. It's just fine. <laughs> He's got the Poland spring bottle. My console will be here. Stern will have two 24-hour channels that will air his radio show, as well as other programming he's developing. Yep. He seems to move around a lot better. Like, it looks like, you know how when in the Tin Man, and he's like, well, well, and that, that's like how he is now. And then when they start squirting him, and they're like, pss, 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 and then he's like, Oh, <laughs> he just like starts bending and moving. <laughs> that's that's what he's a little bit more mobile now. But now he's he's really just now he's just like you know holding the ask, and they're like, "What did he say?" I pay no attention to that manatee behind the glass. That he says will be <laughs> Howard centric. Why do you think your audience wants to hear Howard and all things about Howard? 24 hours a day on two different channels. No, they're not going to hear all things about Howard. It's going to be programming with my sensibility. It will be outrageous. We have a woman, for example, who's starting oh, a show God. this week. Her name is Heidi Cortez. Uh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi time, you know, when you say Heidi Cortez, it just makes me go, <laughs> Well, I think I heard one. I don't even know how many episodes they had. Like, what, two, three? And then they got rid of it because it was essentially porn, wasn't it? It's just so dumb. Nobody cared about it. <laughs> In 2006, who was going like, I can't wait to listen to porn? Who'd <laughs> 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 be like, you could jerk off to you porn or whatever, X hamster, or you could just go straight down the hallway and look at your ear to someone's door and hope they were having sex. <laughs> jerk off in the hallway. <laughs> is very good at phone sex and her job is to put the sleep <laughs> at night and she will have phone sex for a half hour with uh, a member of the audience and it's called tissue time with heidi cortez <laughs> you, might as, you might as well be calling miss cleo next <laughs> look at ed bradley you, you saw that reaction in ed bradley's look face and we're just <laughs> laughing <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. What a dumb fucking idea. Ed, you don't, you don't understand this stuff. To understand Howard Stern, it helps to go back to Roosevelt, Long Island. Where... 
wow. <laughs> it's cruel to laugh at his child photos, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> he grew up, he said, never feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's cruel, guys, but everybody's everybody has kid pictures that they they don't particularly care for. God, some of the fashion I wore as a youngster was was horrendous. But I don't know if this kid was ever attractive. I don't know at any point. Like at one point, did Allison go like, what? By what point, when she was chloroformed, did she say, "I really, I love this guy, and <laughs> I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this guy"? <laughs> was she was she from the blind school? <laughs> Did he meet her at blind camp? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Sam, get on mic at least. I want to hear the laugh. I can't even. I can't even breathe right now. <laughs> it's so bad. I just spit out my drink and I'm toweling myself down. By his mother Ray, a housewife, and his father Ben. Oh Jesus! Stern talks to them regularly today, and they are often guests on his show. Dad. Right. He has a hearing aid. Here. He's okay, hey, Dad. When he was a kid, Stern says being a good performer was highly valued in his family. My father was. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. What, what's that? He's in gay love with a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry to cut it up in an inopportune moment, guys, but it was too good. Should I? Let me push that. Let me push that back just for a second. When he was a kid, he says being a good performer was highly valued. In- <laughs> He's in heaven. Oh, hold on. Screenshot of that. Oh, Ralph is going to be so jealous. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me because this clip goes so quickly. I didn't even think about the, that aspect of this. <laughs> oh my God, I'm laughing so hard. I took a screenshot. I should do one too. Hold on. So fucking terrible. <laughs> he's he's got the same. That's the same look that he gave when um, when uh, someone has a picture of him of AGT with his glasses up, and he's going. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> like he's looking. Like he's just seen Orlando Bloom's cockpit for the first time. Okay, let's see. Fifty-one. Great. Uh, I'll let it play out a little more, but that just had to be said. His family. My father would sit there, and if I started to tell a story, he'd go like this. Quick, quick, come on, move quicker, move quicker, move quicker. You're going too slow. Stern says his father was distant. Reading your book, it seems like he would call you a moron at the drop of a hat. Yeah, the, the line was from my father, I told you not to be stupid, you moron. One time. One, we have one audio clip that he's parlayed into an entire lifetime of being battered emotionally. And he is a moron, and he was being stupid and racist, and that's carried throughout his whole lifetime. So good on Ben for the one time he reprimanded you. Absolutely. He deserved it. You deserve more than that. I really thought I was was stupid. You were. You are. (laughs) Yeah, it was a different kind of relationship. My mother was very involved with me. Very involved. We discussed uh-huh. VD <laughs> after I gave it to him. It sounds so like wretchedly. We, we were vile. involved. I like to pretend that she cleaned grit out of my underpants, and uh, now I want to wear her skin 
I want to like I, her, like I, I want like to put on her dresses and smell and smell her tablecloths. I'm a fucking weirdo. He's such a disgusting, depraved individual. He Let's is. Keep going. Had a dialogue constantly. And it was like an umbilical cord. As long as the words were flowing back and forth, we were connected and feeding each other. Uh, and I probably grew up very afraid of losing that connection. He's still afraid of losing that connection. And if she dies, who's he going to be talking to on the radio? That is a very messed up way of saying you're connected to your mother. I think so, too. I don't care how close you are with your mother. Talking about umbilical cord, Mm -hmm. that sort of connection with your parents I, I don't understand why he's describing that type of connection. It doesn't describe closeness as it does creepiness. Creepiness, dependency of some kind of it. Because he said years later about having, I've always wanted to go back into the womb. And I, I always found that to be the creepiest way you could explain a wish to remain like a child or to remain sucking your mother's tit. And, yes, but it is he- who he is. I mean, Beth is his mother, whoever else is his mother, Ralph's his mother, Tony Coburn's his mother. They're all mother surrogates. Get my Grillo was his mother heating up a fucking potato. Right. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how that's permeated almost every aspect of his life. Now, this is going through Roosevelt, I believe. Or is this Rockville Center? I don't know exactly where. I don't know. I wouldn't know anyway, but. So afraid that Stern says he never once I'm sure it's Roosevelt. when his friends moved away in the late 60s. As Roosevelt changed okay. from mostly white to mostly black, the Stern stayed until he was in high school because his mother believed in integration. None of this looks familiar. No. He hadn't been back since. <laughs> you grew up here. I grew up here, but I, but I really kind of blocked it out. You, you don't block out directions. You don't block, unless you've gone senile. I don't buy this for a fucking minute. Listen, we've all been through traumatic emotional experiences in our life that we block out. Geography isn't one of them. <laughs> I'm realizing that now. I'm just a little confused. Well, your house is that way. My <laughs> um, house is this way? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Go oh west, God, young it man. Was, it's still so funny. <laughs> Ed Bradley didn't realize just just acting as Howard's compass was uh, his oh. GPS. I believe that's my... Oh, my God. Siri. <laughs> I, I, I call it the house of horrors. Why? See that? Did you see that throat, that big swallow? Look at his disgusting face. I call it the house of horrors where I got everything that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> my dad called me a moron for saying you don't a... want the Japs. <laughs> I got a puppet set. An entire stage, and I got a drum set or a guitar to be in a band. I got sent to camp. I got sent to camp. (laughs) What a horror! Or I was I was fucking too many of the workers. I funny too many people. My Woody Belkin had to tell me, "Stop it! You're fucking too many people." (laughs) Ask Doctor Lou. Yes, Doctor Lou. It was horrible. It was a horrible place to live. This town was a horrible place to live. It was a nightmare. Because you were a minority? Because I was a minority. <laughs> He's saying this to Ed Bradley, who doesn't know anything about being a minority. Because I was a minority. Are you kidding me? I can't even. Why? Why is this happening? 
No, Ed Bradley's an older black gentleman at a time, like going through the news. Like, imagine what he had to go through in his career to get where he got to. Imagine Ed Bradley's life. And what? he's listening to this entitled, rich, like, like millionaire now going on billionaire, just signed a massive deal. Uh, and go ahead. I'd just like to say I've been in some pretty shitty neighborhoods in my lifetime. Pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. This is not one of them. <laughs> oh, God, no. It looks just like suburbia. It's not that bad looking. He makes Honestly, it look like it's, I have... he, he makes it looks like it's Sal's famous pizzeria right after the fire. <laughs> Radio Rahim. <laughs> Yo, man. Poor Yo, Ed Sal. Bradley. How come you ain't got no brothers up on the wall? Yeah. It's. it's... So bad. And poor Ed Bradley, you're right. He is an iconic journalist who actually had to fight for so much to be in the position that he is. And he's listening to this entitled fuck who's gotten everything handed in to his, including a car, a college education, everything, and pretty much everything else. And now right. $500 million. He's <laughs> saying he was a minority. <laughs> he was a minority. It was so rough for him. Now, this is the thing that bothers me. One, another one, one of those things that bothered me when he gets these fucking softballs. All Ed Bradley had to do was go through that section of Private Parts, the book, where he says, a Polish kid beat me up. He doesn't make any reference to black people beating him up in, his, in the fucking book that he released up to date. Like up till 2005. That's the only you know, evidence that, well, that we're supposed to take it as evidence. There is no evidence, but that's the only mention of it. And then it becomes somehow over the years, blacks beat him up because I'm sure Jackie decided that was the way it was going to go. That's how you get. You also have Mr. Chestnut, who was his gym teacher, who appeared on the channel nine. This is your life. And he had certain people that appeared and he said, don't you remember me getting beat up by the blacks? And Mr. Chestnut said he never saw any of that. He said, no, you didn't see me running and getting stuffed into garbage cans. And he said, not by black people. (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe by other gays i don't know the the thing is he the, he crutched on this so badly and in this it, you think ed bradley's looking at him going this is all horseshit he has to know it. i don't i don't want to even know what ed bradley's thinking but i do want to say now in present time it's mm-hmm. not that hard for people like on the view or all these other shows especially with african-american women on mm-hmm. them on the panel sitting mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. you don't have to go into his book you don't even have to go on the internet and research an article you can just watch a clip like this and you have the nerve to sit here and clap and say look at how evolved you are this was not that long ago and he's in his right. 50s give me a break right, right. <laughs> and that stern says left him isolated and alone and my mother wanted to prove a point my mother said we cannot run from black people but <laughs> mom stayed in the house all day and she sent me into roosevelt high school and that, i had a whole different experience i was a kid and i had to fend for myself now okay here's the thing he gives crap to the white families for leaving but he's now like he if he's supposedly according to his now bullshit narrative that he's being beaten up by blacks why wouldn't he say i'm rich prejudiced against blacks because there's the they're the ones that went after me why would you say, but, I'm angry with the, the white neighbors who left and fled because, you know. But he, but he does it both ways. Just like hmm. his narcissism and the disease that we talk about or his mental illness that he has, 
it's he does both sides of the fence. So he says, I'm mad at people for leaving, but I'm also mad at the people for beating me up and I'm mad at my mom for staying in the house and it's, sure. it's no you can't win with him because he needs no. the narrative because he likes the sympathy of the narrative but sure. here we go so it's like all sides of the coin no one's winning <laughs> gotta make gotta make him a tragic figure I'd be sitting in a classroom and a guy would just turn around and bam punch me right in the face in the classroom in the classroom for what for being white or just for for whatever but for <laughs> that's a lie you just you just lied right there Look at his eyes when he says that for being white. Let me let me rewind but, that just a bit, guys. Sorry to, to in the classroom. In the classroom for what? For being white or just for for whatever? But for anger. I mean, these kids. That's a lie. Like he just got caught in a lie. All that all that elaborate sort of head shaking. What, what what do you mean? What are you testing me? Why are you asking me why? What are you talking about? Remember the, he told that he big like elaborate a, lie elaborate looked, lie about the girl who hit him and remember robin said that never happened he was talking to oh uh he was talking to a famous black comedian oh, yeah. uh freak i'm gonna now this is gonna bother me because i'm not gonna remember the name of the person but he said that a black woman just started viciously beating him up and robin said i've never heard you talk about this before like he just lies he yeah, absolutely. The only time I've ever heard him say that, and I have the clip, I'll, I'll probably, I'll put it up eventually. Um, it's when they're discussing about when it's not, you know, it's not acceptable. To, it's never acceptable to hit a woman, blah, blah, blah. And he said he, he was with the girl that hit him so hard, slapped him so hard. He, he almost went like, he almost got knocked out because it was un, unprepared and blah, blah, blah. And I think it was Robin Givens. I have no idea. And um, the, and then the way he said it, if you ever do that again, I'm going to punch your heart nose so hard it'll go through the back of your fucking skull. And I'm like, it's not a far cry from if those girls get near me, I'll tear their tits off. That he says in the Robin book. But that since then, I've never heard that. Was that in relation to someone in, when he was older or when he was younger? This one that you you're mean? describing. Um, he was... A story. It, no, it was older. It was uh, yeah. it was during the serious years. I do remember that, but I remember Robin saying that's a lie, and he wow, was like, why, "Why would that be a lie?" Yeah, I, I'm gonna get so mad that I can't think of who the comic was that he was talking to. Mm. Well, well, we'll look it up later, and I might be I yeah. can insert it like I did with the uh, NPD episode. I added a few cliff notes to the uh, to the video. Kids were angry, man. What did you take away from here that you have with you today that you use in your program? Oh my God! It's the way it's the way I relate to the world. There's a general distrust. There's a lot of fear. There's also uh, a tremendous sense of humor too. Uh, but he, he, so all this stuff created humor in his life. Like I, this is such mixed bullshit. I also think if you're yeah. if you're if you're in a neighborhood where your parents say we're not leaving, we're making a point, we want integration, we want to stay, wouldn't that imply that you have trust in the community, that you want a better place in society, you want to make the community better, you want to be a part of it? So why would he have such distrust towards? People. minorities actual yeah. minorities i don't well, yeah. I, this is what i don't understand it doesn't make any sense 
And also, why wouldn't you gain the same kind of values as your parents for trying to be that progressive? And why wouldn't you carry that forward? Uh, okay, yes, if you were really beat up, but uh, there's no evidence that he was ever fucking beat up by minorities. I mean, except for the Polish kid. That's a minority. Really what stuck with me was the hypocrisy. I could never get my mind around the fact that all those white people left. It pissed me off. And I think I felt very left behind. And I suppose I'm angry about being the one who got left behind. He got left behind in school, guys. Let's be honest. He did two years of remedial reading at Boston College, Boston University. Now, this is the, this is where it gets racist. Ed Bradley, and he's right. saying this to an elderly. I don't even care elderly. He's saying this to a black man. Are they you left kidding me, the, me? They, le- they left me alone in the hood to fend for myself, Ed. You mean so my brothers, my fellow brothers would beat you up regularly, Howard? You're kidding. You want me want a hug? I had to <laughs> go to school <laughs> with black people, Ed. Can you awful. imagine the, whole, the I'm horror. mad at all my friends. <laughs> the horror. What a stupid idiot. <laughs> it's awful. To be to be the odd man out is not easy. But all the return is the Yeah, and I'm sure Ed knows nothing about that. Yeah. What you see here, guys, is a rare, rare shot of the uh, the old studio. This right here that I'm pointing with the mouse is the uh, display that they would show the notes for. They would actually have a camera specifically for notes that they wrote up for him, and he'd read it when he needed to joke on the fly. That's uh, I, I love seeing the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. man in, the person who controls the show, who decides what material gets used and who gets on the air. Well, I can hang up on you. Your phone connection is horrible. Are you? Oh man, come on, don't hang up. I think when you listen to me, <laughs> oh the oh the old he has an underbite. Yeah, it's like so his his teeth over um they they tilt in and the bottom ones jut out so it looks very ratty. It looks very like Splinter from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. <laughs> Splinter. I didn't think we. This is the first to get a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then meanwhile, meanwhile, everybody's on the streets looking like Shredder. You're in the club. (laughs) We're not the guy in Roosevelt High School being goofed on when we're all together. We're strong. We're together. Some of us are misfits. Some of us are outcasts. And we can admit our insecurities and we can laugh about them and have a great time. He is surrounded by loyal staff who help him create the intimacy of an out-of-control, freewheeling locker room. Sal is acting like such a jerk out in the hall. We knocked over a whole rack of carts. I predict by the end of the show, Sal will light himself on fire. I don't understand why, even in 2005, they weren't already on top of digitizing everything for, you know, for, for use. They could have been doing this in 2002, 2003. That always made me fucking nuts. I think it was Fred just being a complete Luddite when it came to technology. They had to use carts. Well, why wouldn't they just hire someone to do it for them, and then Fred could just learn? Yeah. (laughs) Co-host Robin Quivers, writer and sound effects maestro Fred Norris, and show producer Gary Delabate, who have all been with Star for more than 20 years, are moving with him to satellite with the rest. (laughs) Some of these visuals look fantastic. It really is like an episode of Hoarders when they're in the middle of, like, (laughs) When they're in the middle of cleaning up the mess, you know, when they're like, okay, listen. And they, like, show you a bunch of bottles and caps, and they're like, can we throw this out? 
<laughs> yeah, or at the very least, nanny nine one one when the the parents throw their hands up and they can't handle the mess. Now all this, okay, that's typical. They they also had way less space in the old studio, to be fair, but still, just never should never get that fucking messy. To the staff, but despite the camaraderie, Stern admits that he's hard to work for. Look at that wig. Go back. Yeah, O-M-G. hold on. G. Okay, hold on. Let's play this again. Rest of the staff, but dis- <laughs> this this is the clip here. A little further. Fights Keep com- going. Camaraderie start. Keep going. Is that it? it admits Keep that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What in God's name is on his head? What is on his head? Fillmore, please. I need your. Well, Listen. Tell me what that is. If it's not um, a wig, what that is not his hair. Okay, what let's let, f- let's definitively let's definitively put it forward, guys. Is it the implants and just the style doesn't suit him? Like, but it, if you say implants, it really when you say wig or you say implants, it's the same basic idea. Not your real hair. That is so. Not let's real just hair. focus on that. Well, I I believe it's whatever system he had implanted. I don't believe he's got his real hair at this point in fifties, whatever. I mean, I just don't buy it. He was balding in early 80s, according to Robin, on the air. I still have the audio somewhere. Okay, I'm a female. This is lush hair for a 30-something-year-old female. This right. is insane. This is Rosie Perez hair. <laughs> you know, and do it's the right really, thing. really, really bad. Yeah. So, I, I, I just don't fucking get it. I mean... He needs hours of hair treatment every morning just because they've got to arrange the wig daily or whatever. They've got to arrange the uh, implants. I don't know. These days, the yeah. thought is he's got to take these huge breaks so he can go get his hair transplanted, let the scar- scars, whatever, heal, and then come back and look normal again. And also, too, your hair, aside from puberty, and then you grow into an adult, the texture generally generally doesn't change. Like, you can straighten it with a flat iron or curl it with a curling iron. But sure. if you're supposedly somebody who just, you know, takes a shower, dries your hair, and goes to work, your hair mm-hmm. is going to look basically the same. His hair texture has changed so many times throughout his life, it's obviously fake. Yeah, it's clearly just not his real hair. That's I've never, I've never bought it anyway. Hard to work for. I'm not... <laughs> A good listener sometimes. I'm too much of a control freak. Uh, <laughs> he looks like he's watching uh, Bjorn Borg guess McEnroe. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, those oh eyes darting. God, it's Pong. Yeah. Um, I'm learning to be better. I was so caught up in just getting the job done that I would miss out on the human. The, the human aspect. The human aspect of this. Uh, there was a connection missing. But I truly love those people I work with, and I appreciate everything they do for me. Okay, <laughs> before we go into that, yes, Sam, you wanted to say? Ed looks very critical. Like, I know he said him and Ed Bradley had a good time during this, but mm-hmm. now upon watching this over again, he, Ed's facial expressions look suspect, critical, and I don't, I don't know. He does not look like he's buying whatever he's saying. Ed looks like an FBI, what do you call those body language experts going, bullshit, 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 like checklist, bullshit, bullshit. And we we determined that the, um, and if you look it up, anybody, the literature will tell you online, the moving eyes, the shifty eyes indicates someone looking for an escape. In this occasion, escape what? Get out of the interview? 
Like, is that is that what that means? Let me tell you whatever I can to just shut this up. Well, he always does this. So I think in general, just because of the MPD face that he has to put on and the mm-hmm. fraudulent life that he has, he's mm-hmm. constantly uncomfortable around anyone. And also he doesn't have those shades on and those eyes are darting. Now, mind you, the sh- there were shades he was wearing around this time. You could still see the eyes darting. So I don't know why he didn't go for a full block sun like ray-bans or whatever the fuck to cover completely because he looks like some kind of cornered rat you know yeah it's very if you would if you would put this up if you would put this up into you know how they have those like dateline specials where oh we're gonna we're gonna watch the interview of like scott peterson or somebody else and then you see the guilty looking behavior if this was one of those suspects you'd be like Oh my God! Of course he killed her. <laughs> yeah, or that RMC corporal who uh, was cross-dressing and then started killing the women he was stalking yeah. in, in camp. Did you ever see that one? That interview. I did see that. Fascinating, fascinating piece of footage. And I just don't say it enough. Now you get emotional about this. Yeah, I do. I I really feel that uh, I could have been uh, more connected. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to Not, <laughs> the rat, the Razzie. <laughs> <laughs> that was some of the worst acting I've ever seen. I'm going to play that again because, guys, you got you got to see that because you know I could have been more connected to the people I work with. Go ahead. And let's keep and let's keep in mind. Well, he's having this mea culpa. Uh, Scott Salem's wife never got a dollar. Neither did Scott. He's fired. And well, uh, that, well, that was well, that was way later. Let's be fair, but still, right? No, but I'm saying he's having this realization now. So right. why wouldn't you have this realization in five? So he's having this realization and he realizes he wants to be more connected and he supposedly feels really bad. Let's see how he right. treats his staff in the next 20 years. Oh, I'm Absolutely. sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what it is, is he's seen these interviews all his life. He's watched 60 Minutes all his life. He knows there has to be a moment there where you break down, you cry, you get emotional, whatever. Do you remember the Johnny Carson one with Mike Wallace, which was also yes. amazing? And um, he goes after, he says, you know, I wouldn't make fun of so-and-so because he uh, found out we found out he had a drinking problem. And Mike Wallace goes, of course, it takes one to know one. And he goes, you're cruel. You're cruel. And he doesn't really break down, but he does explain about his problems with alcohol, which was fascinating. Yes. And, um, and he didn't go full whole hog, but, um, but he was more, he let people in more than Howard's doing now because this is all crap. Right, we, what we know from Wiki, we know this is all bullshit. Anything Johnny Carson did, genuinely for emotion, you felt it. I mean, Absolutely. you just knew it because it was so rare. Mm-hmm. I was just watching, just as a side note, I was watching the the uh, farmer from Toulon, um, Idaho, I think it is, and he's like ninety seven years old, and uh, on the Carson show, and an active farmer. And it's one of the most charming episodes you'll ever see. And he brings out his girlfriend, who's like 90 or whatever. And uh, it's funny. I, and saw, it's, I saw that. I did see it, that. And then they talk about how they got to visit each other. And um, yeah. yeah, it's very cute. I love it that really, one. It really is one of my favorite talk show appearances of, of anybody. It's really charming and endearing. I love it. I used to so, love when he had older people on or just oh, yes. random people like the potato chip lady. The potato chip lady was fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> and the joke was perfectly timed. Aspect of this. There was a connection missing. But I truly love those people I work with and I appreciate everything they do for me. And I just don't say it enough. Now you get emotional about this. Yeah. 
I do. I, I really feel that uh, I could have been uh, more connected to them. I don't believe that for a minute, and I don't think anybody else does either. And I think this is when we play the Robin stuff later. This is kind of what's pissing her off. She knows it's all a fucking act. She knows it at this point. I thought at first it was just because uh, her jealousy and narcissism, but now that you're saying that, probably both. Yeah, she knows that in the, the, the going to Roosevelt and all that horse shit. Stern says his inability to connect with those close to him off the air is an ongoing problem. And one of the reasons for his divorce in 2001, after 21 years of marriage to the mother of his three daughters. I am withdrawn. I have a hard time sitting and relaxing with people and appreciating uh, how much fun that can be. Unless they're famous, let's be honest. Look at his eyes. They're just... <laughs> in some way, I'm... And keep in mind, folks, you can see in the background, he's doing the interview in Howard's own fucking studio. So there's no reason for Howard to think that there's going to be some, I don't know, like, like lizard come out of the woodwork and land on his head and he's going to be frightened out of his mind. But he's still so uncomfortable. Why? If you're really upfront and you, you claim your claim to fame is you're this honest interviewer, uh, honest broadcaster, you shouldn't have any problem opening up about anything. Very self-contained, but I think, again, that's control. As long as I'm working and doing my thing, I don't have to deal with anything or anyone else. Perhaps Stern's... Most like family. Yeah. <laughs> like your kids and your wife. You're right. What daughters? The thing that I do know is when I get behind that microphone and hit that button, it's about as good as it gets for me that I can sit there and feel the guy at the other end of the radio and know he's with me, and I know I'm making him laugh. <laughs> the truck driver. <laughs> the truck driver on his long hauls who wants to hear about naked men asses. Yeah, do you think uh, people were busting a gut when they heard about his elite fleet of Roombas? <laughs> it's a, a wonderful rush. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Oh, oh, <laughs> Sam's exhales are now oh, legendary. Oh my god! Look at that fucking. What is it? Uh, the, the all I think about when I see her in these hats is, do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. She's supposed There's to be a model. Drury Lane. <laughs> she's she's a model. She's supposed to be this model, yet she has the worst what, fucking Shrek? taste. <laughs> She's okay. So she's uh, what's what was her name? Uh, what's the name in, in Shrek? The uh, the female Fiona? ogre, Fiona. Yeah. So she's Fiona in Shrek. She's never had good style. She's such a rube, and him too. The two of them oh. don't know how to fucking dress. I'm not some kind of I'm not Mr. Blackwell, but I know this. Like she just looks uncomfortable in anything she's wearing. Making some progress on the relationship front. Today he lives in Manhattan with Beth. <gasps> Oh, those fucking bleach locks, Jesus. 33-year-old model from Pittsburgh, whom he met five years ago. Oh, my God, please freeze frame. Look, look at this, look at this frame. Look at that frame. She looks like she could tear the fucking, she could tear a bumper apart with her bare hands. I can't. <laughs> I have to edit that pause out. Hold on. One, three. She, look at her... The calf and that. And look at him. What is this? It's just so embarrassing. <laughs> and the rest I'm of so them, everybody else. So, so happy for Allison. Everybody's standing. <laughs> They're those two idiots sitting down. 
<laughs> in front of the Knicks. She told us her mother wasn't very happy about it. My mother is a super conservative Catholic woman. Watch him. Who... This is great. <laughs> you, so we, oh, we, my God. This is... This is just like Ablo, isn't it? Look at this nervous energy. Look mm-hmm. at this nervous energy, Fillmore. And keep in mind, keep in mind, folks, I'll just sorry to cut you off, Sam. He said in a later clip that I cut out, but you, you I, I know I, I know for sure it'll show up on my channel, uh, that they had way more footage. They overshot this thing. And he said, May I'm making gonna make a deal with Ruth Street or, you know, his uh Ed's assistant that maybe get the extra footage and have it pop up somewhere of course it never did and this is the reason why it never did this is the best of what they got and this is just god only knows how long they interviewed the two of them together but it's so you're right it's so fucking uncomfortable well there was this awful interview she did when she went back to her hometown in pittsburgh with a local woman this was right right around the same time and it's almost the same exact sort of vibe that beth gets off but she's by herself so anytime you give her time by yourself long periods just it's a train come crashing it's insane is that the one it's about is that the one it's about 18 minutes long yeah and it's it's she goes she's she's smiling so much in it that Mm -hmm. the reporter's like look at you and she's like i know (laughs) he's like i love him i do i love him that's that, that it's sounds, the worst that thing like i've a, ever seen that's like a really like a third rate renee zellweger in the, the end of uh jerry Maguire or the middle of jerry Maguire when she says i love him laurel <laughs> <laughs> i love him for the man for the fruit he almost is and look at we, those teeth go, beth's go teeth are so out of control <laughs> I like it. Let's ago, play that one back. She told us her mother wasn't very happy about it. My mother is a super conservative Catholic woman who Now she's looking over at him constantly as if to say, Am I getting the story right? Like did, did I, you see did many, you notice that? Yeah, that re- I wonder if if so if Laura Lackner had to write this down for her yeah. to study. <laughs> Do you think she's got cue cards <laughs> somewhere in the distance? <laughs> This is a funny story. No, this is good. No, that's my line, shithead. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Is it? We, we just real- <laughs> Look at that. Oh, fuck. When she does that fawning. <sighs> she barely like even talked. All she said is my mother's a very conservative Catholic. No, this is good. Too. <sighs> she, we so- got to her story. Okay, I'm sorry. No, this is good. That's, I like yes, this. Yes, I, I do. Like. Don't you fuck with him. Don't you fuck with him, Ed, because you know I've got to deal with this asshole afterwards. Don't fucking get in the way of this. Because you know he probably bitched at him about Ed, bitched to her about Ed after this was done in the limo all the way home. I like this. I yeah. like when people talk for me. I enjoy being controlled. That's what I like. I'm the great Beth Lou. I do. This happens all the time. Let her tell her story, Howard. Okay, so I met Howard at a dinner party. I called home, and I said, Mom, I met the most amazing man, and she was so excited for me. And um, I mentioned who it was. She hung up the phone. She went to church, and she didn't talk to me for two weeks. Great. He told us. Did I do fine? Yeah, this is sound good. Like, she's not even... She's looking at Howard when she's Hmm. telling that story. And by the way... She's told that story a hundred times after. She's still... We're 20 years out. And the only things we know from them, though, is the story of how they met, 
which is always changing. And yes. the fact that they go to bed early and they have cats. And then they had a dog who they overfed that almost sank in a drown in a pool. There's <laughs> nothing we know from their life because it's that fake. Well, and if, if a story is well rehearsed, you shouldn't have to look over and look for approval. If you know what you're going to say, you just say it. I mean, everybody has their favorite stories. They love retelling and telling, and you should be a master of it at that point. And so who knows? I, I guess it's just nerves. And I'm thinking they had to do this again and again and again for them to get it right. I'm certain, certain of it. Multiple takes for beefest relationship that you told him, Howard, this relationship is all about you. Oh, I think I knew that from day one. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I can't. It's all about him, Ed. We watch TV, what he wants to watch. We eat. We wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. We go to bed at 8. We. I love it, though. It's yeah. my life. So she constantly, it's exactly like that Ablo clip, but two years earlier. She has to constantly reassure him that this is fine. You're good. It's all good. I love being held, like, with the strings. Yeah. Last flash forward to 2020 when she's on Ellen. And mm -hmm. she said, you don't listen to the show? And she goes, no. And she's like, why? She's like, well, I wake up at 5 in the morning. You wake up at 5 in the morning still? And she goes, yeah. She's like, but you don't listen to the show? No. I, 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 I kitten business. It's very serious business. What? what? So why were you waking up at 5 in the morning if you don't listen to the show? <laughs> kitten don't business? live together. <laughs> so, like, you're still trying to go with this narrative that's long dead and gone. <laughs> Is kitten business a euphemism for fentanyl delivery, like you're on the street corner or something? It's all about Just 97% of it. Yeah, but that's fair. But the radio and... So that's all she got. Like, that was... 97%. 99. Cut it off. Cut it off. Yeah. Yeah, that was such a horrendous edit. His audience are the most important things in his life, Stern says, and the move to satellite is the last challenge of his professional career. <laughs> challenge. He met, oh, and by the way, we, we already said this, guys, but also it's, it helps to re reiterate it. He met the first subscriber bonus at Sirius and got however many millions in stock. And then uh, I have it, he's dumped the stock a year later after his first year at Sirius almost exactly to the day, and then he never met another subscriber bonus. So when the XM merger came through and he got that $25 million that was stipulated in the contract, he was like, I'm not, uh, there's no way I'll make another subscriber bonus. There's just no way. They saw the numbers. And then he never got another uh, chunk of money after that. It's a gamble. Will people be willing to pay for radio, or will Stern fade into obscurity? He says he's obsessed with making it work. I think I'm probably um, a little too desperate to be successful. You are successful. Yeah, she but I told a you. a contract for $500 million over five years. That will never mean a thing to me. I will never feel successful. I hate that fucking traveling line. Uh, I never am. I'm not successful, whatever. Again, Sam, like well, this is just the, the story, the bullshit thing. He wants to appear kind of humble, but there's no humility in that in that sound. There's no... He's still having this conversation till this to this day with like he just had Seinfeld in and mm -hmm. they had to have a discussion about his career and Jerry wanted to discuss it with him. I can't believe you still don't realize you need to retire and it's done. It's over with. There is no relevance to your career anymore. You're nothing. 
You really are nothing. You you shit on your... Well, I mean, I don't understand how he doesn't see it. You did everything you have to do. Seinfeld's yeah. whole motto is no loitering in your career. So you are always on top. You are always mm-hmm. fast moving. You're ahead of the curve. Howard's mm-hmm. is park here forever. And it's like... <laughs> It just doesn't work. <laughs> You're done. Just move Did, uh, the fuck on with your life. Howard, you've had a successful book, a successful movie, successful DVD, a successful radio program, number one in I don't know how many markets. You've changed morning radio. And now you're going to satellite radio for a half a billion dollars over the next five years. They're not successful. Now, this is the thing also I, I really it annoys me. They only go surface. They don't really go deep into the truths of all these things. The movie was not successful. The DVD, I'm sure, was, absolutely. I'm sure it made money, more money than the film when it was theatric, theatrically, blah, 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 theatrically released. And then also, like, you change morning radio. Okay, sure, fine. But get the stuff right. Like, you, you can just tell, like, Ed doesn't know what we know. No, he doesn't. But even if he didn't know that, financially, he's a success. And Mm -hmm. in his field, of course, he was a success. Of course. Okay. So I think it's like like then you have to say, so obviously you're a success. Any idiot Mm -hmm. can see that you're a success. Why are you playing this card? Yeah. Why Why are you fronting like you're not successful? When you when you put it that way, of course that that seems successful. But when I when I'm up at two o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting and creating the, the channel, when I'm watercoloring, <laughs> what the look on your face? <laughs> the word create. Anytime he says I'm creating, yeah, I it's just chilly. what a jack be off statement. <laughs> Okay. Well, it's it's deuce chilly because the notebook of ideas, which he did, I think Benjamin did a great Photoshop of it and um, the fake notebook and uh, like the all the, most of the ideas petered out. I gotta maybe one day we'll get Benjamin to do a, a walkthrough of the first year of promises. Oh my God, I can't disappoint that audience, regardless of what they pay me, and maybe that's why I get paid a lot of money. When you hire me, you hire a nut who is going to work 24 hours a day for you and never, ever burn his audience. <laughs> uh, no more Fridays. This is also, by the way, he's not, he's, he is not <laughs> even announced about, about not working Fridays. And that was the bait and switch because before the wrap-up show, there was the Friday show. And... <laughs> They and then he he did a couple. I'm I think work for a nut. I, I'm gonna work like a nut for you. I'm gonna never <laughs> fuck my. Do you audience. know how lazy his shows are? Oh God! Even like <laughs> he's blaming pers- internet problems from the mansion miles away. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny in 2020 to hear this horseshit and and believe and can't believe people were fed. Oh. Now, how many people got lifetime subscriptions and got hosed? How many people bought faulty software or hardware and stuff and had to get fucking replacements? And then now I don't even know. Does Sirius sell like Sirius radios? I just have the app. I don't know. But I do know. Or you get it into your car. So like now it you can just program the XM. There's a okay. button in right. your car that says XM. Yeah. So 
that, but before that, the wires in the car. By the way, that was a guaranteed steal shit out of my car thing because you had to have the radio, the little signal thing up on the dash, and you had to have the wires going up oh. on through the top of your car through the thing. So, of course, oh, if you're going somewhere and you're parking your car, people know that that's an XM radio. They want to steal it. Do you know I, I had my car broken into twice? Like, people stole my XM radio, my Sirius XM, whatever it was. I mean, because it's just like a hello, look at this. The wires, the the thing, of course they want to take it. It's like a fanny pack. It doesn't look normal. Yes. It's like, you know, an open purse. Yeah. Well, the at the time, I remember um, I was looking desperately to get online streaming, and they didn't offer it. For years, they didn't offer it. I think it was 2003 they finally started a little. But no, you had to have like a hardware subscription, and then you could get the streaming or whatever it was. And I thought, fuck you. It's 2008. Almost every station I know of is online. They've got an online presence. So it was nuts. They're just stupid, stupid and company. Even, and even now, they, what are they doing? They could have DJs and different voices and cool things, and they just mm-hmm. choose to keep being not relevant. I don't know. Yeah. So what we what we have next is a segment of I believe November of two thousand six. They replayed the um, the sixty minutes piece, and then Robin blurted out on the show that she was got a feeling of jealousy over having watched it and they were but he was of course had to bitch about you know they really didn't promo it they you know if you think if they wanted people to watch they would put more commercials behind it and blah 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 it's like are you fucking 79 it's an old piece they've already they've already played it once for you second time it's a replay it's like a best of show for the end of the year they don't give a fuck Right. Like any more than you do for Sternthology. Like how much work do you, how much effort do you do promoting like, I don't know, the highlights of Best of Howard Stern or whatever. So this is horseshit. Um, But you remember when you heard it initially, what your feelings were when Robin said that? Were you shocked? I mean, not Um, shocked. uh, When she said it, I wasn't shocked she acted jealous, Mm -hmm. but I was shocked the way she acted disgusted. Hmm. Well, this, I think the, I, I think I was a little. I remember feeling like, "Oh wow, that's like a disgust. It's not just right. a jealousy. It was a right. disgust." Right. When you, we're going to start playing it, guys, so we won't just ex- we'll expound while it's playing, so you can have uh, all the fun with us. So here we go. Another thing happened to me while I was, you know, I guess maybe it was the beginning of the show, and they were saying, "And tonight on sixty minutes," and they went through the whole thing, and Ed Bradley with Howard Stern, right? And I was like, "Ugh." And I got a twinge of jealousy came uh, over me. Uh, and I was like, Whoa. Jealousy? Well, what do you mean? very Whoa. honest. Wow. What do you mean jealousy? I was like, ah, they're doing a story on him. Oh, you got jealous of me? And I was like, what is that all about? Okay, so initially when I heard this the first time, and it was just sort of a throwaway, I was listening through the that particular day to get some other clips, and it just kind of came on. I wasn't paying attention to it, and I go... Wow, this is amazing. It's not very often that she has that unleashed sort of admitting that she thought negatively of him. I almost think it's jealousy now that I'm hearing it back. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's full disgust because she's making that disgust noise over and over. That's a narcissist getting upset at another narcissist's success. 
And when you read through that, that we just but finished his an em- success oh, is her success. success she can't, her she can't success. see that. She wouldn't. She wouldn't be, and he wouldn't be without one or the other. So yeah. she has every right to feel disgusted because he's sitting there with the prime, you know, the interview with Ed Bradley complaining about how he's a minority. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're you're where you are because of minority, Howard. Well, this is the thing. Uh, they, have, they have a symbiotic relationship, and indeed, in his early days, he a lot of even the NBC officials before they fired him, they said you need you need someone else. You definitely need a crutch and a foil, I guess you would say. So, and it was common back those days. Radio guys would have a partner, someone that they would riff with during the air to have a conversation. It wasn't always, you know, ten ten wins, and here's the news, and here's the weather, blah blah blah. I mean, it was it, there were certain shows that were geared towards this. I think it was the fact that she knew that first of all, she didn't even feature prominently in it. She's barely in it. Artie's in it more than she is, and Beth has actually words to say. She's not consulted. But when you watch that Johnny Carson thing, Ed McMahon is interviewed about him. Robin's not interviewed about Howard. They didn't even approach, or if they did, maybe they interviewed her and they cut it out and she's pissed off at that and we don't know about this. We're not here. We don't hear, we ever hear about that footage. I have a feeling they asked everybody on the staff for what they wanted, like what they thought about it, and someone on high said, no, fuck it. Or I, Howard I, put the kibosh on it. I don't know, but maybe it also does has, have something to do with the fact that Beth is featured and not yes. Robin. Yeah, I think it's it's mostly jealousy of like I'm not I'm barely in it, and um, uh, then also the fact that well she'll get into it. Her family start giving her shit about where she wouldn't mm. be, you know, if she didn't have him. And then I thought, well, maybe that just means I still want to do more things in my career, and I'm like a little envious of you know what happens for you and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, but it shocked me. What an incredibly honest. But thing that's that a, you know what I would I, you know that's funny you bring that up. I don't think we've ever actually talked about that. Uh huh. Now they're trying to save it. They're trying to kind of. We all oh, we get it. We understand you weren't you weren't a shithead for admitting you were jealous of your the person that basically made your career. Um, but now he's going to try to do this thing like oh I always I hold you you know just as valuable you know bullshit. He does he'll never see that he'll never think and he wrote about it in private parts when we go through no sorry not in private parts Miss America there's a segment that I brought up with you and Bob that when we do go through the Miss America book which is going to happen guys um, he. He deliberately leaves in something and a lot of stuff against the staff to say they'd be nowhere without me. And it's not a joke. It's how he feels. Correct. I also, isn't this entire success of his with SiriusXM, it's a very big undertaking because of Buckwald and yes. that agency. So Robin is also a Buckwald client. So mm-hmm. when she's saying this stuff like, there's more things I need to do with, well, maybe there's more things that I have to do with my career. Their careers are symbiotic. They're together. They're partners. I, yeah. this is, um, I don't know. I guess this is like a very, when I start to, I guess when I first started to see the fractioning of him and the staff, whether you saw it as a whole or a team. And Mm -hmm. this is when I think, not only the staff, but listeners started seeing as Howard as like this very separate entity. 
Sure, absolutely. And not only that, you, you have to keep in mind the backdrop, everybody. Uh, it's 2005 when they're filming it, 2006 when they replay it and play it for the first time in the early part of the year as part of the serious promo bullshit. But Stuttering John has left almost two years to the day to go and make a, almost maybe, maybe I don't know, half a million dollars. I'm sure Robin was getting more than that to be on this show, but way more than he deserved. And she felt like, why aren't I getting five times more than I'm getting? You know, you know that like Stuttering John made this huge jump. Why shouldn't I? And he's on network TV. He he went on a, a major show that I that I admitted. Robin said to Jay Leno when she was interviewed him by when she was releasing her book that she said I would love to be on the Tonight Show. It's not on the internet anymore, but I had it at one point. And it and Benjamin so saliently pointed out. This is why Howard's so incredibly um, insecure. He knows that every one of his fucking staff would leave him if they had a better gig. They, all of them. And he knows it. Right. That's yeah. why when she was doing that talk show, we're going to be doing that talk show. Right. She would have been out the door if that would have taken off. Right. And this is, this is part of, um, uh, the, let's see if I can find up the link. Okay. The, it's, there's an interview uh, that she did on, it's called Broadcasting Plus Cable, nexttv.com. There's the article from 2005 by Jim Finkel. And he does an interview with her. It says, best known, it says, Robin has, <laughs> Robin Quivers has issues. Best known oh, the, as the side no of radio. No shit. It's basically, he interviews her about this. Uh, after a quarter century with Stern, Quivers 52 is embarking on a new challenge. She's set to host Sony's The Robin Quivers Show. One of four new chat show syndicators are pitching, sorry, one of four new chat shows syndicators are pitching for next season. The plan calls for her to keep her daily gig with Stern, then walk a few city, New York City blocks to a television studio. Walk my ass. There she will film her new show in front of a live audience. Quiver is a former Air Force nurse who rose to the rank of captain, began in radio in 1980. A year later, she hooked up with Stern and has been in the business ever since. So... Um, what is your new show about? It's a multi-topic strip. In-studio guests will discuss issues that are relevant to women, family, current events. It's time to have some fun in daytime without necessarily poking fun at people. Now, the, she did shop around this show, and no one bought it. And instead, what they went for was the Tyra Banks show, because it was 2005 when the Tyra Banks show hit, and it lasted about five years, I think. And Tyra Banks was also very successful with an America's Next Top Model show. So yes. that went right in with, it was, you know, she was on top with that show. That reality show was super successful. I am desperately looking for anybody, if there's anybody in the business, who is anybody who's listening to this show, who is in the audience for the test pilot, or who can get us a copy of what that fucking video looks like, I, I will pay money for it. I guarantee it. I want to see the Robin Quivers show, what it looked like and why they passed on it. I did find the contact for one of the producers of the show, and I've not been able to get a hold of them, but I'm trying desperately to find out what they, you know, most people don't want to talk about their failures. Robin so doesn't tough. come off very warm no. as a person. No. So likability would have been a problem for her, and that's why it didn't get picked up ultimately. Right. I would imagine all these years, and, and you know I hold you as responsible for the success of this show as I am, but the, the fact of the matter is it, it's got to be hard sometimes with all the attention I get. Most of that really doesn't come up for me, right. except the, this, I swear to God, I was like, whoa, what is it, that feeling? Because it was 60 minutes, right? 
Okay. So I have to break it up, guys, of course, because of the 30-second rule, but uh, and it should be okay. But uh, So they're going on. This will continue. And then eventually Sal gets into the mix because they go on the wrap-up show. But in the meantime, just listen. Well, it was just... No, That's I a big deal, 60 minutes, minutes I mean. per se. It was, you know, the same way as if... Uh, you know, every time I see Oprah profile, right. what, that's what I got. That's pretty bad. That's basically saying someone way more successful than me is getting profiled and I'm not. That's about as childish as you could get. I mean, kudos for her for admitting it, but I never would have. I, I'm a little in shock with the, uh, the Oprah comparison. I well, mean, yeah. Oprah, it, Oprah I, I, was, it feels, was a so phenomenon. These are two, so these are two people she clearly is envious of well this is the thing what had what had robin done at that point to deserve a 60 minutes piece nothing nothing oprah puts herself out there constantly trying to um have a conversation with people and really you know make a difference on her show whatever people think of her i i'm just saying that that was a cultural phenomenon and she still continues to be right sort of that sort of staple and conversation piece. Robin sits in a studio in a glass box and can't even fucking read the news stories that she's supposed to. She has to have right. an intern print them for her. So <laughs> laughs. her she's being laugh jealous track. over all the work that Oprah does is insane. Well, that's just insane narcissism because she's if he's 79, she's 80. Because um, she might retain a little more than Howard, but she's clearly not any brighter, much brighter, because... Look at Oprah. She was a self-made, like, b- billionaire at this point. Like, even in 19, let's say, 2006, she had her own channel. She had her own talk show, successful talk show. She'd been in movies at that point and was still doing movies at some point. She, was a, she had a production company. Robin didn't have these things. She didn't have – I think she even dipped her toe in movies, if I'm not mistaken, the production company. Like, like she, she actually put money behind it and, and gambled on movies and TV shows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the book club thing, which I fucking couldn't stand, but that was made her a huge name. She was on magazines. She had done all kinds of shit. What had what what merits did Robin have? Nothing. I don't know. Nothing. So like, there's no reason to feel jealous about that. Envious, okay. Jealous, I don't understand. No. You know, and I was like, oh my goodness. You know, I've never felt that way about you before. You know, and I was like, whoa, he must have gotten pretty big in the world. Now I'm jealous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's clearly uncomfortable with this, and she is uncomfortable because that that nervous laugh came in, right? She's trying to. I'm what, uncomfortable. She's, try, she's trying to walk it back. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You got some vindication, although it was weird. Like, remember that? Uh, Is it hard for you, Artie, uh, to be on? I mean, you, you're, you know, you've got a lot in your career going on, like Robin and all that. Is it hard for you sometimes to be on the show and you say, "Gee, Howard gets uh, all this attention." Oh my God! See, I'm coming from a way different place. I mean, I'm working with. I mean, you know, I idolized all you guys. I'm just happy to be here. Uh-huh. I mean, and that's bullshit. He said Robin had a lot in her career. What did she have in her fucking career? One awful, like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> Also, this is this is Howard sticking the knife in and turning it because so. everyone knows that Artie's the favorite. I mean, it's so obvious, and by Absolutely. that point, oh, definitely. I mean, I'm not a peer of yours. You right. know what I mean? I'm well, certainly well, not. I don't, I don't look at it any other way. I, I, we're, we're all peers. We're all peers, but I'm getting paid about a mm, hundred times what you're making. Uh, seriously, think about that deficit. Yeah. If 
anything, I would be jealous of the fact that if I did come up with you all this way and mm-hmm. you know I'm such a vital part of your show the way you're saying it, if I mm-hmm. were Robin and I'm right. only making, say, $8 million and you're making ninety, yeah, I'd have a fucking problem. Well, and that and that's a whole other show because I don't believe she was ever making eight, ten. I don't believe she was ever making like that many figures. I think she was making maybe at most a couple million a year because if she was making too much, she could go, she could live. And even though she's a bad, she's bad with money. I don't think she was making more than two, three million ever at the height of the and show. You know, and you know, she got in trouble with money at some point during this because she had to sell that house for way less. During her sickness, that New Jersey house that was for sale, she sold it for less than she paid for it. Well, she you're not had talking, to get it not, off the market. This is when she, this is when she got sick. So 2012, basically. Is this she yeah. did sell a house? She she had a house she sold. Yeah. So she downsized, or she had two yeah. residences, and she no, got rid of the one. She she dumped the house for a like a shitty price. There was an art like a way lower price than she paid for it. There was an article about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I well now we're, well this is a different thing, so I don't have prepared yeah. for this. But yeah, no, it's yeah. okay. We'll so do it Robin time. and Robin was never great with finances. We she always talked about that. She even talked about it in her book. Yeah. Well, yeah, she never, that's true. She's been documented a horrible uh, spendthrift. But also, um, if that were the case, then it would have been, I'm sure, because of the medical bills. Because what she had to go through could not have been fucking cheap, whether she had insurance or not. So, Fred, what about you? Hard for you? I'm thrilled for you. Thank you. I really am. I mean, the only time it it gets a little tough, the only time it gets a little tough is when certain people come in and basically they see you. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you, you're the doorman. Get out of my face. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what should they say to the sound guy? I mean, let's be honest. It's the Howard Stern show, not the Fred Norris show. And, you know, what he he expects, like, I understand it. Human decency, you come in and say, hey, Fred, I'm a fan of the show. How are you doing? Hey, Benji, how are you? I would do that. Absolutely. I would well, say hi to everybody. we're fans of the show. That's right. You know and if I someone mean? doesn't not know Not everyone Fred, is. Maybe they'll go, hey, what's up? Whatever. Nice to see you. Whatever. That's fine. That's a good, that's a human being. And they talked about it years ago. Like uh, William Shatner was one. He would only have like laser tunnel vision for Howard. And same with Joan Rivers. She wouldn't acknowledge other people in the room except for Howard or Robin. Some guests other don't than, get uh, the but show. Honestly, I'm always. But of course, at that point, she'd known Robert, uh, Robin and Fred, uh, Howard for decades you know when she would come in thrilled for you thank you well robin got like uh the best sidekicks ever that thing the only thing that was weird about that was i, I was happy that you made you know the top what are you were number 11 on sidekicks of all time. <laughs> she wasn't even the best sidekick <laughs> that's a kick in the cunt Thirteen. But I never. Me off now. But I never think of you as a sidekick i was going to use a co-host you know what i mean the, the term sidekick is a little uh. insulting but uh well if you want robin could be co-host you could be sidekick <laughs> Well, that's why, I mean, I'm more of a sidekick. You know, it's sort of a demeaning term. Okay. Then, what, then what is Fred? Fred, I believe. I'm the doorman. Go <laughs> <laughs> open the goddamn door, then. So we'll cut. We'll keep cutting it up every so often, guys. Sorry. But sixty minutes <laughs> is a job. sixty minutes is a big deal. It is. It's it like, right. uh, yeah. you know, but it was no. just like yeah, all those. You know, like I would get pissed when Eddie Murphy had something right, happen to him right. in his career. You know, it's just like that envy you get when somebody's doing so well, and you're like, ah, what's that? What's wrong with me? Right.
So it's complete jealousy. Let's not dress it up. So it's envy it's and jealousy, jealousy are not the narcissism. same. This yeah, is absolutely. all narcissism. This is when you see somebody doing good, you think of yourself. I mean, right. <laughs> like, why aren't I doing that well? <laughs> uh, what was that one? David Allen Greer was in the show one time, and he said when he found out that uh, Martin, Jamie Fox got signed for Martin Lawrence got signed for twenty million or something, and he goes, "I just had to stop at the red light and go, whoo, twenty million. <laughs> I didn't cry, but I took some deep breaths, <laughs> like." The idea that uh, she, like Eddie Murphy, a genius stand-up, not my favorite, but a genius stand-up and like a master mimic, uh, very quick, very fast, a major, major movie star at that point. Even though he'd kind of gone through a downturn, whatever, he was getting back up. There's no comparing Robin to Eddie Murphy. Sorry. Like, that's the the height of narcissism. That'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. All right. If it makes you feel any better, I I spent the whole weekend just sitting and playing chess. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that exciting. That. It's the perception on sixty yeah. minutes. See, yeah. My mother called. She was like, Howard, hello, Howard. Uh, did you know you're going to be on sixty minutes again? I said, Yes, I do, Ma. Oh, your father and I are going to watch. All right. And it. You know and what? then what? And Cr- and then crickets. what do you? And then they watch, and then they see you bashing them for the three hundred thousandth <laughs> time over the same story about how he said idiot and moron and shut up yeah. and sit down. I, well, I mean, is... if I were them, I would be like, can can you never call us again? Thanks. Wiggy's so uncomfortable now. He had to go into that impression just to try to get some breathing space because Robin's going down that road and he doesn't want to go down it. But maybe it was because I was with my family all weekend too. Maybe. And whenever they say your name, it's with a reverend. Oh, oh I could oh, choke them. Yeah. <laughs> See, listen to that. Listen to that. He, she, in her own book, she talks about how Howard and Allison had to fucking bail her out time and time again, and their <laughs> parents did, and that she had no credit. Her credit rating was shit because she overspent in the military and said, I chalked that up to being a good money manager when she had to pay them back like $10,000. <laughs> she knew that they were overpaying, and she didn't say anything. <laughs> like, right, you're going to forget. Right. I, I spent an extra $2,000 a month. I don't know where that came from. I must be really good at, at, at counting pennies. Yeah, oh, and, then, and then I, and then I was so upset with Howard that he stopped taking my calls, so I would bother Allison, and she said I need crisis services. I need crisis counseling. Oh my God! Is that what goes on in you? Like, do you go? Do you go like, well, treat me with some goddamn right? Yeah, it's like I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> you did everything. Right. <laughs> You're just taking me along. Well, he did. I mean, like the show did. Absolutely. They're, they're correct. Is, if this could be, um, <laughs> this is the closest to nervous down of reality. I mean, she is like the voice, the pitch is getting higher. She's oh, yeah. getting strained. This is getting very uncomfortable for Howard. <laughs> My favorite part of this, and this is where the passive aggressiveness comes in. At some point she goes, he, they asked, well, do you say anything to them? And she goes, oh, no, I just take it. You know, like all this anger and stuff, and you're just bottling it, but you're not actually saying anything to them. <laughs> I know, but you're going to be on 60 Minutes. Robin's not going to be on, I hope. <laughs> yeah. The other, uh, this is the best. Go ahead. We're sitting there, and they're, they start talking about the show like I'm not even on it. Wow. They'll say, you know what I like about the show? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and then 
they'll go on and then they said, and you know what? I loved it when I heard, you know, I heard about your race car and Howard's going to send you to racing school. <laughs> this is when she was going through that delusion where she could race cars. She raced Bubba. <laughs> yeah. She came in like 14 out of 17. And uh, that was the one and only time. What a delusional idiot. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, Howard's sending me to racing school? Yeah, do me a favor. Don't get mad at me. Wow. That's no, your family. You. It just was like I had just been hearing about you all weekend. Oh, yeah. So clearly, so she's it's displaced anger, really, as well as jealousy. I can't believe she's still on the show after hearing this. <laughs> yeah, really. And how you're doing Howard? everything Did the whole family me. over? Yeah. Were they on the boat and everything? Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. I should have drowned Howard? them. Now that Oh my God. <laughs> that's that's nothing. She has a clip on my channel where um, she talks about wanting to strangle her mother because she would come home to the house and she'd do the "Thank you, Lord, for the yeah. blessings you have bestowed on my daughter." You know, like praise, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Like you're healed. She it. She goes, like it, like I didn't work for it. Thank you for the. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a great clip. You might want to lock her door this morning. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm hearing something. She had a full weekend. I'm, huh? I'm hearing something going on here. Today. What? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Like, the, the fact that you had your family, the fact that she's a little outraged and a little upset about you. It's like yeah. it could be one of those, you know, like, I don't know. It could be violent. Hey, Fred, what is it? It could be violent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a revelation. Yeah, well, Fred's the smart one. <laughs> so they were there the whole weekend with the boat and all right, that. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That must have been some scene. So, yeah, I heard. And how? I mean, they even say your name with a different... It has a different sense. <laughs> God, to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. Oh, so mad. And Jesus. Right, absolutely. It's reverence and worship. And I'm like, oh, I guess I don't do anything. Now, Robin, can I well, you now you get it, Robin. It's the truth. I have to say, guys, just from a, like, just anecdotally, I'll just say, I've had two channels. This is now my second channel on YouTube. The one person that ev almost everybody is unified on their hate is Robin. Anytime there's a Robin bashing clip, everybody's all in. <laughs> there's maybe one person, one holdout who goes, I don't know why people are so upset. I love Robin on the show. She's bright. She's intelligent. She's this. She's that. There's two people that are polarized, have polarized most people on my channel. Greg Fitzsimmons, for some reason, there's an un irrational hatred towards him from most people. And I like him, actually. I think he's his show's entertaining, his podcast. But And Robin, those two, almost everybody hates. So Yeah, I... I think I think I like her for certain reasons or aspects, but yeah. the part where it's hard working, um I <laughs> I'm not uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. You feel any better my family treats me like shit. Can I ask a question, Robin? <laughs> yeah, I'm still the piece of crap on the bottom of the shoe. Which one was which one hurt the worst? Which one got to you the most, the person saying it? Was it your mom? Well, I hear it, well my mom in, is in there, too, but, but my sister-in-law, really, oh, oh, How, Howard sending Robin to racing school. I'm standing in the right. room. What's, like, I don't understand this rage. Like, they're right. 
Robin. They're Howard, correct. Howard is sending you to racing school. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, actually, in the end, she goes, no, you didn't have anything to do with my racing. Oh, it's God. like you're a bystander. <laughs> and you know what? Who'd want to go to racing school? <laughs> you didn't have anything with me to, to do with me going to racing school. No, I'm sending idea. you. I'm sending you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like, yeah, I want to send you some flowers. And the, and you're the, ordered there. <laughs> was so excited when he gave you the car and i mean it went on and on and on. now do you say something to them or you just oh, no. you just eat it up words, your point is. okay so there you go so she's got this much anger against her family but like in the book this is the funny part in the book she goes i was a tyrant but then she loses her voice when she has to, you know, talk to the network execs or the, uh, you know, the producers of the show. And like, I lost my voice for five weeks because of whatever stress. Since the, she didn't say stress, she just said miraculously, some weird, not miraculously, strangely, I lost my voice during these periods. You can lose your voice due to stress. She is not a brave person unless she's talking to someone lower down on the totem pole. So the interns, I would love to get a fucking intern on this show and interview them. <laughs> Oh, you heard you heard when the limo drivers were like, No, it's your turn. No, it's, it's your, your turn. turn. <laughs> That's a great clip. I gotta bring that up. Mm-hmm. They would get the call and they pretend to be busy. I mean, because listen to this bl- I mean, listen to this this rage too is uh scary just in her tone because it's so loud and she elongates everything when she's upset so you're like oh, yes. i don't know where this is going but i'm nervous <laughs> it's very it's a very cuckoo it's very like uh i don't know rupert pupkin type thing i don't know or the fan maybe this is better <laughs> the, the wesley snipes like a very film. like mommy dearest <laughs> well she she's got all this anger it's What's like what's going hot- on White hot rage, but you're explaining it in the studio where you can let it out. Now, that's where she's really similar to Howard, because they both have that fucking, I'm in the studio, now I can let it out. Yeah. Words, your point is, let me describe this, I think, uh-huh. is that, hey, you know, you've earned well, what it's you've like, done. Yes, you have done everything, and I'm lucky to be that for the you ride. just like, let me sit here. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it, and it's true. Listen to that uncomfortable laugh she does afterwards, too. Yeah, well, th- well, that's that's always been a staple. Uncomfort, discomfort, or um, potential like something negative. Someone says something bad against her, and she's angry, and she'll have to laugh it off. In Thailand, actually, the Thais, when there's some kind of, um, they're famous for it. When there's some kind of problem, they smile. Well, you see, I I can see that analogy with me. They're not you and Fred, though. I mean, well, yeah, I see. I see. They never think anything of you, right, you know. Right. So if something's happening, it must be somebody else. See, <laughs> Ar- I think in Artie's family, he's he is worshipped and adored. Maybe. Well, I mean, you I, can clearly see that. Like at the premiere, yeah. like his sister and his mom were so <laughs> proud. You yeah, I know, but yeah, I know. You, you want to knock them it. down a few rungs. <laughs> I no, mean, no, what? I, that, 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 I'm, I'm pretty much the, the only thing we've had. Oh, poor Artie. <laughs> He's come so far down. Still would love to get that interview, but we'll we'll sort that out. Eventually he will. <laughs> but I would say in most families, it's probably like the, right. the same thing that Robin gets. You know, if one yeah. of our kids goes to college, me or my sister's kids goes to college, they will be their, their ass will get kicked. <laughs> so uh, the sixty minutes thing brought that out a little bit. Yeah, and all of a sudden it was just like, oh yeah, maybe if I was on sixty minutes, they think something of me. Maybe we got to get no, you. No, no, we got to you know get you say? on sixty minutes. You know say how they got you exactly, Robin? I'm going to see if I can get you on oh, sixty thank minutes. Thank you so much. <laughs> So, I mean, her family have her pegged, right? 
based if you you read the book too did you the quivers of life yes yeah of course yeah. So yeah. do you remember, do you remember she had like, for example, the molestation thing she tells, she explains that she talks to her brother on the phone and she tells him the story and he just goes, okay. And that's and it. The way it was, I don't even know how, how to say it, wrenched in or crow, crowbarred it, in. Crow, yeah. The way crowbarred, that's the word, the crowbarred in to the story of her life. It seemed so puzzling. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, how am I going to fit a molestation story in the middle of my life? These days, she's more concerned with how she's going to fit into the booth at TGI Fridays. <laughs> Howard got her on 60 you Minutes. Know, how, Robin's doing, Howard is letting Robin do 60 Minutes. <laughs> Let her, I'm thinking of letting you do it. It was, it was just, it's amazing. I'm thinking of letting you do 60 Minutes. <laughs> That's great. You know what we got to do? We got to get an Ed Bradley look. So imagine this. She's she's shopped um, a, a talk show that didn't get picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, she released a book that was a, a New York Times bestseller, but you know it was just fans buying it because it was a stern product initially. And she later on, years later, said something like, you actually don't need to sell a lot of copies to get number one on the New York bestsellers. Like if you sell 10,000 copies that first week and that's all you sell, it's a bestseller. I mean, you can call right. it that. Right. So it's not like it sold millions and millions. And most people did not fucking read it. I guarantee they did not read that book. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> or even hire Ed to interview you and just mail it down to them. Mail it to them. Yeah. Say, oh, I, in case you missed did it. Did you miss it? I was on 60 Minutes. <laughs> I was just ref- Riley Martin up like Ed Bradley. And have <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, the 60 Minutes piece does make me proud because uh, to be featured on 60 Absolutely. Minutes. Absolutely. It's a really, great yeah, like basically she's shitting on all she she spent the last eight minutes shitting on his you know his accomplishments and trying to you know <laughs> she's trying to walk it a little back by talking about her family i think but i think initially that she realized she said something bad sal later on in the wrap-up show explains this he he starts off well but then he goes into some non sequitur about women and what they need but um He's he's on the right path. Like he he's right on the right track. She was trying to walk it back, and she didn't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. Really, something to me, and I almost didn't watch it because I, I just don't like the way I look. You know, physically. And Beth was saying, "God, you look good." Like, <laughs> you both look. Oh, Beth always looks good. There's a picture of Beth in the paper today. I saw it uh, eating a cupcake, and I'm like, no one ever looks so good eating a cupcake. Did you see that picture? <laughs> Daily news. Ooh. Oh, we, we gotta give Be- we gotta give Beth a plug for eating a yeah, fucking cupcake. And then- exactly. Oh, God, I what a puke. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and, and she even opened up the page when she goes, "Oh my goodness!" She goes, "Oh, it, it's a terrible picture I'm eating," and it's. I go, you know what? Is there any way to like go go further? <laughs> <laughs> we got to move on. Oh, you look, you look fine. I want Jar to eat every day. Don't look like Eating that. Eating should look me, like me that. Me looking like a cupcake. Don't look that way. Uh, <laughs> Not even close. Yeah, so uh, America's Top Chef. Oh, yeah. premiering. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay, I'm, I'm dying to hear it play I'll again because I don't. Fully... I'm just moving it forward to the wrap-up show part of it because the rest of it is this shitting on Katie Lee for her show getting canceled because, you know, you're never happier than when your fucking friends failed and if your enemies... It wasn't <laughs> like... canceled. She was just kicked off. She was kicked she... off? Was that it? Yep. Pagma. Pagma Lakshmi is yeah. the one who took over and she's great and she's been on the show for 10 years now. <laughs> right. Well, right. Um... You understand what she meant. So let's hear it and then I'll, I'll have a better idea. 
Another thing happened to me while I was, you know, I guess maybe it was the beginning of the show, and they were saying, and tonight on 60 Minutes, and they went through the whole thing, and Ed Bradley with Howard Stern. Right. And I was like, ugh. So in case you didn't hear it the first time, guys. I got a Jealousy came over me. And I was like, what? Jealousy? What do you mean? very honest. What do you mean, jealousy? I was like, ugh, they're doing a story on him. Oh, you got jealous of me? And I was like, what is that all about? So now they go into it, and Sal's in studio, and he's in fine form. Sal's just on fire. And they replay it in the next week. When you get the emails, and Howard reads the emails, people got in. That's the most hilarious part. That's the big question. Sal's also joining us. What is that all about, that feeling that she had? Well, she explained it a little bit more afterwards, and I think that it's not being jealous of Howard specifically, like in the way that I work with Howard, Howard gets all the accolades. It's because she said, you know, when I see the same thing on Oprah, and she said, maybe I need to think about more where I am in my career, meaning I think she just wishes she were doing more in her career rather than being jealous of Howard specifically. Thank you, Bowie, for that expert breakdown. <laughs> Such a he's... frantic fucking loon. I can't. Like, it sounds so frantic when he's explaining it. I could just hear the mouth. I just hear the mechanism. <laughs> it's awful. Here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, let's see. Guys, this is the weird thing. This is the weird thing. I was so bummed out, you know. It's, <laughs> I used to hate when awful. he was <laughs> Give Bowie speak. Sal, what do you think? I think she was candy coating it and trying to backtrack and trying to cover her steps when she brought up Oprah and all that other horse shit. What I think is it's a typical broad riding a man's coattails, forgetting where where a man has put her. Wait a <laughs> second. Do you really think Robin rides Howard co- Howard's coattails? Meaning Howard's the, I don't think she, Howard's look, the leader of the show. There's no doubt. But Artie really hit on it today. Robin is not a sidekick. She's what the fuck is she? She's a shitty newsreader. She's always why been did, an awful newsreader. Why do he you feels need the need to, to defend be told her. this at this age though? Like if you're really upset with being labeled a sidekick, a co-host. I mean, come on. That's, yeah, that's nonsense. <laughs> it's an integral part of the show, and there's a chemistry between the two of them. And I'll tell you something. I just want to say this before you go on. I'll tell you something. In the 22 years I've been doing the show. Robin's been out or sick, I don't know, maybe five or six times. It's a whole different show okay. when she's not here. But, and also, Howard did say, I think of you as my co-host. And, and that's right. But I pay you like my intern. <laughs> 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 this is such this is such ball washing. It's the funniest thing. I, be, I bet he pays Beth more to be his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit more. Uh, let's see. And you know what? Robin, to me, is the second best on the show. That's beside the point. Robin's great on the show. I love Robin. I grew up with Robin. I think she makes the show great. She really is Howard's focal point. But to come in and say, <clears throat> when I saw you getting a, 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 you know, a repeat on 60 Minutes, to me, that's somebody who's forgetting where they came from. Because I don't care what you say. Take away Robin. Take away Artie, Baba Bowie, Richard Sal, Fred, Benji, everybody. Yeah, that's what you have now, and the show is unlistenable. <laughs> Interestingly enough, they both forgot where they came from. Howard couldn't remember his, his, his childhood home either. Well, now we, now we listen to the show. Does she, we've been doing breakdowns for the, of the, this year's shows and here and there. Has she, does she, what happened to the news? Does oh, she still just, do them? No, it's gone. I don't know. Okay, Since this, right. Do you miss gone. the news? Do you miss the news since Gilbert was not allowed to come back and just riff on the news with Artie? I ha- the news has been the worst part of the show. No, that's not true. 
the it's show is bad. the worst part of the show. Yeah, it's it's all it's all awful. This is just thank God we get we the news has been cut out. Yeah, no news. The, the inter- matter is, it's the Howard Stern show, and Howard could pick pick anybody to be in that goddamn booth. And let me tell you something. Regardless of that, here's a girl who got who got in with Howard Stern. Timing was perfect. If she wasn't here, what would she be doing? Pulling shit out of somebody's ass as acting like a nurse, or like they did with Ari's father, more or less? She, she wouldn't be here. And the point is that the fact that she got jealous, to me, is just another female emotion. Typical women who forget where they came from. <laughs> this, is, this is what Sal is at his best. <laughs> like a truly misogynist, like ass licker, and I mean it makes it, it makes me want. I'm, I so don't understand why Christine doesn't like sleeping with him. <laughs> <laughs> Who forget how good he got it? This girl's got boat. She's got car. She's got chauffeur. She's on the water. What are you kidding me? I can't even pay my fucking cell phone bill, and I'm the happiest guy in the world to work for a guy like Howard Stern. I that's think... such a fucking crazy what, what thing a, to say. He's an, an adult indictment. with children and can't and I, pay his cell phone bill. Oh right. My what, an God. Indi- what an indictment on how little your fucking boss is paying you. This multimillionaire where you have money problems. And it's not, guys, because Sal's going to the French Riviera daily and he's fucking, you know, he's fucking models. Yeah, it's not from jerk-off booths. It's because he's just... Jesus. You freaked me right out. <laughs> I didn't see you because my, my headphones completely covered the sound. All of a sudden, I was getting jacked. Two thirty-two. You look like JD getting mugged on the subway. <laughs> Take my iPhone. <laughs> the worst part of those guys. Hold on. Um, let me just see. The worst part of oh. the worst part of the story. Maybe we will. My wife just walked in behind. I didn't even notice because my headphones isolated the sound so, so perfectly. The worst part of those guys. Can you imagine them? They stole JD's iPhone. They got pissed off because he has like the Chevelles on, the, on his iPhone. He has like literally it's, nothing. Like he doesn't have. Yeah. The envy comes down to the psychotic nature of a female. Putting that aside, she's a good talent. Do you think her like income level has gotten to her head? Is that what you're trying to say with I'm that? I'm saying everything's gotten to her head. Well, I think you're saying that she should appreciate where she is. Well, look at, look, I think he's saying, look at her income level. How dare she be jealous? Exactly. Look at every fucking broad out there. Look what happens when they get divorced. They want money for comfortable living. Like, you know, people get divorced from Perlman and all these other big shots. They expect a half of uh, uh, $250,000 a month because that's an accustomed lifestyle. What are you fucking kidding me? I think we're- now that's now that's he's going off on a tangent for no good reason. That's where Sal kind of loses it here. Somewhere near the end, I'm going to try to. Should we keep going just for the sake of it? Just get through it. Uh... Wait, do you want to? Do you want to get closer to the uh, the when the the next day when they play? Yeah. Okay. Let me see if I can get this. These hands with means as always. We got to wrap up. I'm okay. being made by John Hine. Oh, misogynistic John Hine. For some reason, he took such offense to Robin's genuine honesty about her feelings toward Howard's second appearance on 60 Minutes that he had to go off on what Gary described as the very definition of a tangent. In all my years of listening to Howard, I have never been so offended at anything on the show as I was at John Hine's comments toward Robin and women in general. Was, is she, is she discussing? Is John Hine getting shrapnel mistakenly? Sal? Hey, Sal, he got John Hine was freaking out. It's not right. John, it's Sal. Okay. But I, I got to tell you, it was <laughs> one of the, those moments. Picture, picture him in full diabetic sweats over hearing his name in, in, in conjunction with this. 
he's like ravenously reaching for fries from McDonald's to get him through it. And this is a great lesson I learned. You just shut up uh, Robin, and let Sal go. Robin is a beautiful person and doesn't deserve any of the fucking ire that Sal, she, she says John Hine, expressed on today's wrap-up show. Howard has never discredited Robin's input on the show, and Robin would never say or think that she's due more respect or fame than Howard. Anyone who listens to the show faithfully knows how Howard and Robin interact and can see that much at least. As a loyal Stern fan, I feel, and all female Stern listeners deserve an honest apology from this bitter jerk-off. Okay, so he's reading the emails, but then look how many negative ones he decides to read. This is when Howard was most projecting. He, it sounds very similar when you want bad YouTube comments to come through and people to t trash someone on your show, and you allow for that to happen, uh, you know, because you have control over what gets said. Now he's decided these are negative emails. I want them in. Most of all, he certainly owes Robin Quivers an apology. I couldn't have agreed more with everything Baba Bowie said about Robin's confession, and for everyone to look at it differently only reveals his own ignorance. Uh, here's another one. What the fuck is wrong with Sal? His comments on the wrap-up show bashing Robin about being jealous of Howard's replay of his 60 Minutes interview only demonstrates his neurotic, obsessive infatuation with Howard. Now, hold on for a sec. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there's only a little bit of this, and then Sal tries to backtrack a little. So we're almost done, guys. Bear with us. He claims that Robin would not have been able to achieve any sort of success without Howard. Did Sal forget that Robin had a career before she met Howard? Who knows? Robin could have been an Oprah had she not met Howard. Tell Sal to get Howard's Fuck. dick out of his mouth. Before <laughs> she could not have been. She was always on his show. The one option she had to work, she did take it. Because when he left, when they got fired from NBC, or sorry, when, when, they, um, when Howard got the job at NBC... He didn't take Fred or her with him, and she got a, a better a better offer where she was. I think it was Baltimore. I can't remember Washington, and she got something like the equivalent of a hundred thousand a year, which was probably three or four hundred thousand a year in terms of today's income to do to be like a fucking just a newsreader essentially. Right. Yeah, and she she had no choice but to take it. So I doubt she would have been an Oprah, guys. I'm pretty sure. Uh, she wouldn't. No. Ever. No, she would not. Thanks again. <laughs> Please tell Robin to rip Sal a new asshole on Tuesday. What a major league jerk. He's obviously jealous of Robin because he wants to be in her place. Howard's longtime confidant and friend and co-host, not in his wildest dreams. I understood completely what Robin was saying. Only a moron would not. Uh, okay, then maybe you should explain it to us. I didn't think she said anything bad. Well, he's right, uh, or she is right. A moron couldn't understand. It was just so weird. What, what I was saying was that it was a thought that Robin had. Maybe Robin wants to do more in her life, and that, you know, it, I, I sort of... Not everyone understood. Listen to this. It's Okay, now, now we start to get to the good emails. The Howard Stern Show, not the Robin Quiver Show. Wah! I didn't do anything but read the news. My assistant gathers. Maybe you've gotten... Maybe you haven't gotten any praise because, really, what have you done? Your news is always disorganized and constantly gets things wrong. You should have kept your cackling cunt mouth shut. Now all you look like is a cry baby. <laughs> You don't oh think God. he you don't think he, he wants those read said? That with such animation and vigor. He, wow. <laughs> that just flew off the tongue. Did Sal write as well as being <laughs> Wow. I'm jealous of Howard. Wow. Everyone recognizes Howard but me. Wow, I'm a nobody. Wow. Even a preacher says Howard's name. Howard. Oh shut up, you old prune and stop crying. <laughs> 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 we speak your name. That's a good one. <laughs> that race Bubba in your piece of shit sports car Howard gave you and crash into a wall so we won't have to listen to your nagging, uh, you old bat. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> 
my god. <laughs> the viciousness of some people back in the day was actually more funny than the show, especially when they would read these emails that they clearly did not come up with on their own. That fucking... <laughs> That fat, uh, tell that fat fucking cunt Robin to shut the fuck up. She can't stop mentioning that other fat cunt Bubba. They're both fat cunts that need to die in a fire. I now remember when I appreciated when the Howard Stern show said the word cunt. Now it's just yeah. like puppet. Now it's just coming out of awful puppets. Yeah. That was the big tirade with Robin. She didn't say anything wrong. Hey, it's, hey. All, it's all what you listen hey. to, Robin. I said you're you are equally as talented as Howard, and that's a that's says a lot coming from me. No, you didn't. First, you said she's but, lucky to be there. Tied put her in the chair. <laughs> then later on, you thought about it. And you said she's equally talented. Who are you, well, John Manelli? <laughs> well, you know what? Jackie Martin didn't put her in that fucking chair. You did. I, it doesn't matter. What's you that, mean? No, that means had chairs at a station. So he's gonna keep getting a little deeper. We're almost done. That means that means Howard has the ability. I didn't put her in any chair. Howard has the ability to isolate talent. He knew that you would be perfect for the show, but you need to recognize that this is the man that put you there. What makes you think she didn't recognize anything? Any thoughts, oh. any thoughts as tea? Could you imagine this happening today? God. Where where somebody would come in from the back office and actually just tear people Put in, them the in their place? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well the word we didn't we cut through it, but on the wrap up show South goes, We gotta call a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> you just you can't get away with that. It makes me think she doesn't recognize yeah. it. Yeah. Tell me what. I see you on sixty minutes, I'm jerking off. She's going Bleh. What is she's that? She's saying she's she was talking about Both her own life. but she was jealous. She's jealous. That's 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 sad. That that's, ego. that's called being human. It wasn't. It's called being human. Oh. Aren't you human Fillmore? <laughs> I'm more human than human. An ordinary human, Newman. Yeah, human behavior. I was shocked by the feeling. Did you hear anything I said? You weren't shocked by the feeling. Oh, oh, I'll tell okay, you what it was. It was your Why way. Why of... would I talk about it if it was w the way I felt? It was your way of softening the blow. It's your way of oh, saying, "Look, Robin, oh. what type of person looks at a TV? Look at me. Look at how does what being, type of how woman? Does, how does, crazy, how does how does every woman's jealous. a lunatic. How does it be? <laughs> okay, we're almost done. We got about twenty seconds left. I think the best is yet to come. Being jealous negate the gratitude or the appreciation of another person. You can be jealous and still appreciate somebody. I agree. But First of all, it's you're a not little... jealous of somebody who's do not done incredibly well for themselves. Okay, you're not so he. Regardless of how I feel, he's done incredibly well. He's an incredibly. But why do you feel that way? He is recognized. Okay, I cut the rest of that out. I, I didn't have it. It must have been on the wrap-up show. But at one point he goes, girlfriend, as they say in your culture, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> uh, so I miss it. I miss Sal being Sal. So if anybody wants to know where it all leads up to, years later she gets the chatter, that pre-produced show on Sirius. Did anybody hear that? Did you hear the chatter? I've never heard the chatter. Oh, I must find that. It's it's the most excruciating because it's all cut up. It's all like she can't work live, clearly. And it was nonsense. It was the show that she wanted to, to do, basically. But it was her just reporting on news stories. And it's like her website that lived to win or whatever it was called. The uh, was when she, Foundation? No, God, no. That's a whole other saga we're going to have to do. All terrible. these wonderful, all these ventures. <laughs> they are all so successful. Do we, what's your, what's so, your take, guys? Do we go after Butt Bongo, <laughs> Butt Bongo Fiesta is the next? 
The 15 Foundation is just basically a foundation for art grifters. <laughs> that one's coming up in, I don't know when, it's going to take multiple episodes, but we'll try our best. Anyway, I think that's about it for this one, guys. So um, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Sam, do you have any closing thoughts before we uh, wrap this one up? I think these new Robin insults, I gotta, I can't, I think I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of photoshops already from just all the sale comments. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, we'll, we'll see what we can work on over the next little while. I'm working on a Porky's Photoshop because um, I keep forgetting that he was going to do the remake of that and that never happened. Um, but uh... <laughs> I know I love this. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to, this one will come up later in the week because we are putting out the narcissistic personality disorder episode first. That will be, of course, on um, Podbean and Pod, uh, sorry, Spotify now. The, I was going to say, what's the next thing? Oh, this week is going to hear back in studio. So we're going to be doing a break breakdown of the last Seinfeld interview, I think. And then maybe this week, depending what comes out of it. Yeah. Are you looking, are you looking forward to that? <laughs> I just feel like you smacked me in the face with a bat. And you said he's going to be back. I just, I just had like this. Uh, I just felt like uh, choked. Uh. choked. <laughs> well, we'll he'll be back, so we'll be back, guys. Take care from both of us. Cheers. We love you. Bye. <laughs>